This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Beckinsale Presents. Tonight we are here to present to you horrific tales of espionage, mistaken identity, and murder from one of the most darkly witty filmmakers of our time, who has created over 50 feature-length pictures and whose career spanned across six decades. Join us on our journey into the mind of the master of suspense. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it, Joel? <laughs> Who is it? We, we have to ask you to find it's out. Suspense. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keeping people in suspense. Hey, how's your mouth right now? It's a little mushed. You know what's funny is like as soon as I saw you like grab your face to like smush it, <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. Well, I've been doing that stupid voice like around the house in the car. Just Wait, over just over for again, the just, show or because you've evening, been like evening, so obsessed with evening, this? Good evening. Good evening. Like just over and over. I, my kids think I'm crazy. Does he sound British? How British does he sound? Because he's been, oh, <clears throat> we'll get there. He's, we'll he sounds get very there. British. He's very British. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bacon Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. So uh, we'd like to thank you, as always, for listening to our last show, which was our robot show with Ryan. So thanks, Ryan, to come on a show. We had a great time. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, people seem to really enjoy it. And people like brought somehow. It. Yeah. Like we were doing the show. I was actually kind of worried. There were three, like, there OK, were, this has gotten a little geeky. Oh, like, there, were, a little, there were three levels so, of nerd that happened at so one point. Much. It, was, it was a little, you know, doubling down. Yeah. But and then uh, people enjoyed it, though. And people even brought up robots that we didn't talk about, which was kind of funny. Like uh, CeCe Cummings actually mentioned no love for Johnny Five. And I went, ah, oh. in fact, to make it right. CC Cummings, I am actually showing my children a uh, short circuit for pizza movie night. So, oh yeah, uh, this next pizza movie night, I'm going to show it to him. Yeah, uh, Fisher Stevens character no, is not offensive right. whatsoever. Not at all. <laughs> that's, he's more offensive in number two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but thank you everyone for listening. We had such a good time, and we're probably not going to do a part two of that because we really ran the gamut with robots. We did. <laughs> we got so many robots in there. Also, indeed. It's Halloween season. What? All October. Uh, you guys aren't excited about this at all. We've been oh, waiting yeah. for all season for I this. Know. And guys, of, guess what? what? Five weeks. This five is five weeks Mondays. Of yes. So that's five episodes of Bacon Cell, presuming none of us die. Take it easy. I'm just saying I've watched a lot of movies in the last <laughs> month that made me think about this. <laughs> exactly. But we are so happy you guys could be here. We love October. We hope we don't lose any of you. Well, because it, and keep in mind, we're not just talking horror movies. We're going to be talking about a whole range of different horror topics. books. And this is a good horror candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Halloween themed, though. So enjoy it because it's going to be a fun ride. We love it. So and also we want to mention uh, Patreon.com forward slash bacon cell. Just last week, I drew a picture of Drew Cutler, mm-hmm. who was one of our patrons, mm-hmm. and it was so much fun. I drew him of Frankenstein. I'm drawing two more this weekend. Yes, because everyone who signs up to become a, patro- a patron uh, of Bacon Cell or yes. those who upgrade their donation also will get a hand-drawn picture from Kent in a Halloween theme. Yeah. Uh, also, we have a new patron on Patreon.com. Oh, that's right. Spencer Myers. Spencer Myers. Now, we gave him a shout out a few months back, but it's a different Spencer. It's the original Spencer, I believe. I think there's three Spencers. There are four, actually. There are literally four Spencers. On Patreon, though? No, there are two. No, there are three. There's three, yeah. Okay, we're spending too much time on Spencers. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you, Spencer, very much. Also, go check out his podcast, which I was on. It's called The Spirit of 38. Well, we had another one join not too long ago as well. I don't think they got a shout out. uh, Jordan Rexick. That's it. Uh, Thank you for being a patron. This is your shout out. And we appreciate you 
and all you do. Jordan's kids decided he needs to be a scary zombie for the picture I'm drawing. So we'll see how that goes. And for those of you who have upgraded in order to get this picture as well, thank you. Also, we are giving away gifts and they're very centric to this show. Yes. Uh, Finally, we'll it in, makes sense. We'll, yes. Yeah, we'll get into that too. But uh, just so you know, if you are a Patreon if you oh, if you're a patron of Patreon, there we go. <laughs> so confusing. if you're a patron of Bacon Sale, you're automatically entered to win the ultimate masterpiece collection, the masterpiece collection uh, featuring some of Alfred Hitchcock's best works. And then also, if you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you will get a chance to win the Psycho DVD on Blu-ray. Also, a Alfred Hitchcock classic. Yes. So there's a lot of chances to win. It's one of our... Now, you know, we enjoy doing these giveaways when we can. And so we wanted to do this for Halloween season because it's our favorite season. Yes. So. Is it, guys? I hadn't noticed that. You really think so? Funny. It's your favorite yeah. ever? Yeah. So I, I, I'm dying of suspense right now. Like, I have to know what we're talking about. Before the cover that, of the show and the title weren't enough. <laughs> but before we do that, I have something I got to bring up. Uh, what? 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 Last October, we did a show <gasps> about Supernatural. <laughs> no, I figured it out before you, <laughs> where and, did you Where are you at? How and, far did you get? Uh, so here's the deal. Last time on Supernatural, I'd been watching uh, Supernatural for like three years at that point, And mm-hmm. I was on like season two, episode eight. Not like I have it notes here. That was yeah. the episode I was on. And I made a deal with Jacob. I said, uh, I, I originally said, if I get through season, uh, I, I will get through season two before the next series of Halloween shows. Yeah. But then I made a fumble and I said, stupidly. If I don't finish season three before next October, October 2018, uh-huh. if I don't finish season three of, of Supernatural by next October, I will get you all you can eat tacos. You owe me all you can eat tacos? Jacob, I'm on season six, episode seven. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have not shared this information with us. I have been keeping this from you the entire time. What a nerd. Why would you do that? <laughs> because we can enjoy I it together. I didn't want you to know how far I was. <laughs> But I'm in season six, episode seven. Season six. Lots of crazy stuff has happened. We could have I, talked about Castiel. I know. I, wa- oh, I want to talk five. to you about a lot yes. of things that happened. How have you How have you resisted this and why? Because I wanted to trick you into thinking I hadn't watched as many. As I, I hadn't I remembered. <laughs> you see this guy's face? He's so excited. So uh, Hilton always pays his debts and I my debt is paid. I watched yeah. well beyond what I was supposed well to do. Well beyond. And now so I'm done. So no more Supernatural. Jake, me. this means you owe him all you can eat tacos. I was, I was wondering. Like, does, it, does it go both ways? It I don't does. Remember. It, and since he did it the double, f- you owe me tacos as well. <laughs> I don't know. This it is, wasn't officially agreed, but I think that's fair. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. My debt is paid. October has come. Well and done, I've sir. Into the bargain. Wow. And, Man, I uh, want to ask you so many questions right now. Hey, save it for another show or ah. not, because we're not going back there. Yeah. Bacon bit. If you haven't listened to that Supernatural show, go back to last year's and you'll hear Jacob fangirl all over the place and Kent call uh, Jensen Eccles uh, handsome, handsome man and Bay. I <laughs> well, think is what you call I did. he's my Bay. Yeah. <laughs> but what are we talking about today, Jacob? Today, listener, you know, these guys are way ahead of me on pretty much every pop culture thing. And I have, <laughs> just, I have to say everything. It's fine. I have. <laughs> Almost, almost everything. I had to hang on to a couple things. Just I don't know what, what they we were are. singing just before the show started. They were singing "Sound of Music" and I didn't know the song, so <laughs> that didn't work really well for me. Uh, but one of the things I did know really, really well was Alfred Hitchcock movies. I had gone back through during college and I had watched, I had watched so many, like literally eighteen. 
No, more than that. Those are the ones that Joel I Joel knows he does his numbers. So we, we went through and marked. I marked 18 that I had seen it at three times. Because we created a list and of I all didn't the films that Alfred Hitchcock had directed. Yes, and the ones that I felt like, if I had seen them three or more times, then I felt like I didn't need to go re-watch them. And the other ones I didn't watch, I'd seen maybe once. And so, mm-hmm. but I had seen many, many. And this had 18. been, this had been, no, three <laughs> times or more for the 18. <laughs> 18 anyway, exactly so um, so you you would watch 18 joel how many had you seen i'd seen about 13 okay and I'd, I'd just seen not like watched repeatedly but uh i just when i went through the list i was like okay 13 and we, than- we created this list back in april okay and i was like yeah you know this is a, a way to go because alfred hitchcock has directed 53 films unbelievable well okay he's directed a little more than that but some of those films have lost and some of them were made for tv and yeah. in fact one of the 53 is lost forever two of them Two of them. Two of them. There's Mountain Eagle and... Mountain Eagle and then the first one he did, uh, which was number 13. Oh, yes. You're right. Okay. Those are both gone. No one can find them. They're just gone from history. So the point being, these guys have now surpassed me in this one of these very few places where I held some sort of uh, hold on. Let's go back. By the way, I'd watched 10. So the fewest of you guys. Mm -hmm. I won the Oscar challenge. Um, Joel had won every food challenge. Yes, I'm trying to think Did of he? where you've actually surpassed us, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love I you. Had seen, I love you. I had seen Hitchcock and tell the show, okay. which is what I'm saying. Can I just bring it up now then? Yeah. So, And uh, you won the best picture by like No, literally minutes. by four minutes at work. <laughs> which is funny because once again, so we started this like we said. We, okay, so we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock movies, all the movies he directed. We created a list of his 53 movies that he directed, feature length films that he directed. We're not including short films or, or propaganda films or things like that. Right. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll take this at a casual pace. I got till October. No big deal. And then I figured it was yeah. like mid-October we doing this show. And then Kent reminded me, no, no, this is the tipping point. This is our transition show yep. from regular shows to Halloween shows. And I went, oh, no. And I suddenly looked and I realized how many movies I had left. And so I watched 33 Alfred Hitchcock movies in less than 21 days. <laughs> I would come home for work and watch a half hour of Alfred Hitchcock movie and then oh, oh, go back to Joel? work and then finish it after that. Joel? That is so crazy. I'm a single man. I don't know if anyone knew this. <laughs> is this why you have the wild eyes, Joel? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've neglected my wife. I've neglected my kids. Joel, I did this. So I've taken the past month and a half and I have watched 42, maybe 41 movies. Of okay. Alfred Hitchcock. Of Alfred Hitchcock. Straight Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And then try to rewatch some of the, the better ones that I had seen previous. Okay. And I've been going crazy. I've been going full steam. And when I found out you were doing this, I'm like, I can get away with this because half the time I'm not putting anyone to bed. I can stay up as late as I want. Mm-hmm. But Joel, you have responsibilities in this world. I do. And as soon as the kids went to bed, I was in front of the TV watching Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. And my wife was so supportive in this. Thank you, honey. But the funny thing was, is that Kent started to hair it as in tortoise and the hair it yes because he was so far ahead of me that he was like i got this no big deal and he (laughs) didn't know how many i was plowing through i was actually quite worried i almost beat kent he beat me by one day i got the next morning i got up and i said i've got two left today i'm gonna do it and i said i said something to kent he said something alluded to the fact that he was done and i went have you you finished he went last night and i was like oh we were actually supposed to watch the final movie of mine together we were and i was like i watched it the day before just so we couldn't tie (laughs) (laughs) we were gonna watch a movie together and then it was it didn't work out we are dorks this is so important to us for some reason we've wasted so many hours yes so we have watched 
over well over a hundred hours of film. Yes, for one hour of bacon cell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we kill our bodies with bad food. We might as well enrich our brains with I, black and white movies. Can, can I ask you a question yeah. too? Because binge watching the not binge watching, but watching the best picture winners. There were times when I just wanted to gouge my eyes out. Like, I hated them so much. Yeah, like Around the World in 80 Days. Sure. No, no, no. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, you know. Gentleman's Agreement. Well, that was bad. American Beauty. Yeah, that was bad. Right. Moonlight, also bad. <laughs> um, but that wasn't for the competition. That was just I didn't like the yeah. movie. This movie, this one, I was like, these are actually pretty enter- entertaining. Like, a lot of these I enjoyed. There was only a few that I could say, wow, I never want to see that movie again. I would, honestly, because of this challenge, I don't have a sour taste really towards any of these movies. Yeah. There are some that I was like, uh, I don't get what's happening. There's only a speech bubble every seven minutes. <laughs> Lots of silent movie. Ken. It's a silent movie, but <laughs> give me more speech bubbles. <laughs> like, what is this? What? They're not talking. What is happening? I turn up my TV all the way up. Now, also, lest you think that I pulled a Kent and watched these all like double speed while I was He'll crocheting. never let that go. Um, crocheting? I, after each, because they start, they, I was worried they were going to blend together. So after each movie, I would have to stop, look up all the facts on IMDb and Wikipedia, do the research, and then write a review. Wow, and then I could job. watch the next one because I had to differentiate them from one another. I tried to go old, new, old, new. And by new, I mean 1960. Yeah, I but did that Old, new, old, new. But the old ones just mesh together so much. There's a lot of them. In fact, you know what my favorite Hitchcock movie is? I'm listening. It's the one where the guy gets wrongfully accused of something and then he encounters a girl that doesn't believe him at first, but then she believes him and then they solve the mystery together. And does he have a domineering mother? There could be a domineering mother. Okay. Also, the movie's going to... It's one where the movie ends really abruptly as soon as the climax happens <laughs> and you don't get any data more after, but that's film geek stuff. Yeah. So, yes, we watched everything from The Pleasure Garden in 1925 to Family Plot in 1976. Albert Hitchcock passed away in 1980 and so that was, you know, it's isn't, last film isn't that just crazy that is oh that's over 50 years right there that this man was making films insane crazy. and it i have to say the guy knows his work like i watch these movies and i'm like he had a vision at the beginning and you get these little glimpses of him in the silent era see and then he goes full steam later on and you're like that's what he was going for. i feel like he had glimpses and he had maybe some creative effort in some early movies but i think he was just making studio pictures some of them didn't feel like hitchcock at all oh not at all because you when you okay this is a halloween show but when you think hitchcock you're like murder suspense oh you know what i think uh poor family winning the lottery <laughs> that's what i think <laughs> right and which one was that juno and the paycock oh yeah yeah so it, it's a bit strange there are some comedies in here which we'll discuss it's just musicals y- yeah ish musical ish you have to go to the old stuff when did he when did he get to start picking did you guys pick that up well your research it, kind of well let's get into that yes. let's talk a little bit about alfred hitchcock this is going to be an educational and entertaining episode of bacon cell we hope you join us so like joel said he was born in 1899 August 13th, and he died 1980, April 29th. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was actually gotten to the film industry as a title card designer. They actually, his family fell in hard times, and so he had to leave school and, and start designing title cards for movies. Here's what I found so interesting about his childhood, just to take a little bit further back. So mm-hmm. his parents were both really strict Catholics. Yes. And he was, was he an only child? No, he, I think believe he had siblings. Okay, but they treated him like in a really strange way. I, he was very isolated, right? Like he was, he was overweight his entire life and his parents treated him a lot different, it seemed like. And at one point, I think he was five years old, five or six, and his dad wanted to punish him oh, yeah. for something like really small, yeah. really minute. And he gave his son a note 
to take to the police officers and say, put me in jail for 10 minutes for well, something I did. He didn't did. know what the note said. Right. He brought it to the police station. He gave it to the officer. The officer read it and then put him in a cell and said, this is what we do to naughty boys and shut him in a cell for, for 10 minutes. Yeah. A child. It scared Alvin Hitchcock so bad that he had a lifelong fear of policemen after that. And, and if you, you can notice, see it in his movies. Yeah, if you notice in his movies, policemen are usually suspicious characters. Yes. Who can't be trusted. They're either bumbling or suspicious. And when they get killed in his movies, it's kind of graphic. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, they're like, oh, uh, I mean, you don't see anything. But like, uh, and they die slowly. One of the things I wanted to bring up is that his cameos. Right. Because he made cameos in his 53 films. He made cameos in 39 of them. And all the ones, once he moved to Hollywood, once he came from England and moved to Hollywood, he was in all those because it became a thing. Yes. In fact, it became so distracting that he had to start putting himself within the first 30 minutes of the movie. Otherwise, people would be waiting for him to appear. It was distracting. My favorite yeah. cameo is when that guy's reading the newspaper and they it's when the woman hops the fence from the woods and then finds that it's modern day <laughs> and you see his face no. in the newspaper. See, that's just it. So you're talking M. Night Shyamalan, yeah, who considers himself a modern day Hitchcock. And he puts himself, M. Night Shyamalan puts himself in his movies. The thing is, Alfred Hitchcock's cameos are never talking roles. No. He's in the background. And it started because... Well, yeah, he's like walking onto a bus. Yeah, it actually, it started yeah. in The Lodger was his first cameo. And it's because they needed an extra. They needed someone to sit there. And so he said, I'll do it. And I'll do it. Some <laughs> Sean Connery all of a sudden. Um, but he said, I'll do it. And so he just went over there and sat and did it. And then it became this kind of good luck charm where he started appearing in his roles. But it's also kind of clever how he does it. Yes. Because, uh, like, for example, there's a movie called Lifeboat where it's a bunch of people trapped on a lifeboat, a limited cast in a limited setting. And they're like, how, are we, how is he going to do a cameo in that? And he was actually on a picture on a newspaper that one of the characters is reading and shows a before and after of a weight loss drug. Yep. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well done, Hitchcock. So actually, so Hitchcock got married in 1926. So right at the beginning of his film career, he married a writer. Uh, she was like a secretary writer for the films he was working on. Her name is Alma Reville. Mm -hmm. uh, he married December you 2nd. You said Reville? Re yeah, Reville. I said Reville. Ooh, let's, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But I don't yeah. even know either. Alma. We'll just call her Alma. But he was married for you what? You probably read into that, honestly. Over, over. But he was married for over 50 years. Oh, so his entire career, his entire yeah. life at that point. Yeah. They well, never divorced? They never divorced. Wow. The, the marriage ended when he passed away in 1980, and then she passed away two years after that. And she had some serious health problems, okay. actually, during the later filmings. And so he wasn't as engaged with the filmmaking because he was worried about his wife. I didn't know this, but she had a lot of creative input on a lot of his movies. She was a writer. If not writing. Yeah, she, yes. she did a lot of writing on these movies. And. Uh, actually, Alfred Hitchcock, he he's a director, but he only wrote is seven of the films he's directed, and most of them were the early ones, like The, the Ring, Champagne, Blackmail, The Skin Game Murder, Rich and Strange, Number 17. Those are the ones he actually wrote and directed, because primarily, he enjoyed directing. That was his bread and butter. That's where right. he liked to be. I think he liked to boss actors around. He did not have a high opinion of actors. No. They're basically, he said they were chattel. Yes. Or chattel? Chattel, yes. as we call it here. <laughs> But uh, in fact, one of the actresses, Carol Lombard, I believe it was, uh, she one day he came on the set and she had a pen, a full size pen set up with uh, cows inside of it. And they all had the actors names kind of draped over them on like little saddles. And it was just a joke is how he treated his actors. He got a kick out of it. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's just him. So he's famous for many things. First of which being he was, he did the first British talkie in 1929. Yes, blackmail. That was blackmail. That was the first one that had, I mean, we had a uh, uh, 1927, the jazz singer was the first one here in America. Yes. But it took what Britain a little while later. And it's funny because the studio was like, how about we do the half, half of the movie with sound? And right. He's like, uh, okay. And then he went and shot the whole thing in sound. Yeah. He, he actually reshot a bunch of scenes because hmm. he was like, no, we're just going to do this. 
the right way. Yeah, so he, spent, he, had a, he had a career there. He got pretty popular and he came to America in 1939, started making yes. films from then on. Yes, David O. Selznick is the one who brought His him producer, over yes. and uh, had a contract with him for like seven, seven, seven years, I think it was. But uh, he's the one who's responsible for bringing Hitchcock to Hollywood, but he's also responsi- uh, responsible for a lot of Hitchcock's uh, frustrations with producers here Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but it was almost immediately he did Rebecca, which won the Academy Award for Best yeah. Picture. Yeah, which is his, a great one. His first uh, Hollywood picture won an Oscar. And yeah. I, I, I'm just going to say this right now. Rebecca's fine. Yeah. But it wasn't his best. It, well, I mean, but early on. No, but it's weird that he wasn't then. recognized much after. Right? Like, he didn't really get the notoriety no. for the critical success. He was after. nominated five times, I believe it was, for, for Best Director. Never, he won. never won. Yeah. He never won. But uh, his Rebecca itself was nominated for 11 Oscars. Wow. Okay, that, that's kind of overkill then. It just seems so weird. Total, by the way, uh, his, his 53 films have grossed over 223 million worldwide, worldwide and garnered a total of 46 Oscar nominations and only six wins. Wow. And none for best director. Even though he's considered one of the greatest directors of all time, he never got his due. Right. So he actually popularized the term MacGuffin, which we hear and see a lot. Which you always say it's a bad thing. You, you, Whenever you bring up MacGuffin, it's a bad thing. When it's done right, for example, in one of his movies where... Well, Hitchcock understands the MacGuffin because the MacGuffin it. doesn't matter. Right. Yes. Exactly. So I'm going to get yeah. the definition of MacGuffin so the, so the listener can actually understand yes. it. Go for it, Kent. Do you have it? Do I have the definition of yeah. a MacGuffin? Yes, I do. Uh, 39 Steps was the first of his movies to introduce the MacGuffin plot device. The MacGuffin is an item or goal the protagonist is pursuing, one that otherwise has no narrative value. So think of... What's the MacGuffin in 39 Steps? In 39 Steps, it's the plans. It's the plans for the bomb. Plans, okay. So all it is, and you could put this in as a briefcase in Pulp Fiction or as the Tesseract yeah, in Tesseract Avengers. It's something everyone wants but it really doesn't matter. It's how everyone's acting around it is the point of the movie. You, it doesn't matter what's in there in the suitcase. It just glows gold and everyone wants it. And that's all you need to know because yes. the point of the movie is how everyone's trying to get to it. So the MacGuffin, when used right, is a, a good thing, Kent. Right. So whenever you bring it up with such derision and such snideness in your tone. No, a lot of people use that as a deus ex machina and it shouldn't be. It now should you get be. an extra film nerdy because okay. deus ex machina means the god and the machine and yes. it's in Greek plays when <laughs> the god would come down on a little pulley system and he'd say, I solve everything and yep. then he'd go away. Totally. So whenever that happens in movies where something comes up that, that wasn't thought of before. should not ever be the case. It's, it's a lazy way of just kind of fixing all the problems. That's a deus ex machina. Also, one thing before his death, I found this really interesting. I mean, he lived a very long life. He was knighted only four months before his death. He actually refused wow. a knighthood early Did he refuse on. it or did he just not show up? I heard he, I read I a couple did, things. I heard so he refused the same, it. Isn't it. Yeah. But then when actually he got knighted, he didn't even go to London to get knighted. They did it at Universal Studios. He's I like, yeah. I'll have an American do it. Well, he was he was a pretty bad health at that point, And oh. so he couldn't yeah. travel. So they actually sent him a letter or something like that. And he's like, yeah, the queen couldn't make it, but that's fine. Also, I think as Oscar viewers, we should all thank him for being like setting the standard for the best speech ever. So did you, did you read about this? Yes. No. What's he, this? So he did accept a, uh, like a big award at the Oscars. It was the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award in 1968. And his like, this is literally what he said. Thank you very much indeed. And then that was it. Thank you very much indeed. And walked <laughs> off stage. If more people did that at award, show, award shows, I may start watching them again. Uh, do you know what I find interesting, Kent? What? Uh, Hitch- Hitch- Hitchcock's typical dinner. Oh, no. Which consisted of... I'm excited. <laughs> before, before his weight loss, because he did have to go on a weight loss program, but before his weight loss, the typical dinner was roast chicken, boiled ham, potatoes, bread, vegetables, relishes, salad, dessert, a bottle of wine, and some brandy. Wow. 
Wow. That was a typical dinner for Alfred Hitchcock. After, to lose weight, he actually stopped drinking and then he had coffee for breakfast and lunch and then steak and salad for dinner. That was his diet, which also doesn't seem very good for your health either. That sounds okay. <laughs> steak Every and salad? Day? Yeah, I don't know. Like coffee for breakfast and lunch and then a steak Yeah, maybe and not salad. that. It just seems, yeah. Uh, also, we should bring up uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, yes. Ran for... Uh, 10 years. 10 years. 1955 to 1965. It, it was actually before Twilight Zone. I didn't realize yeah. that. I thought it was kind of a... A spinoff like on this right because there are so many spinoffs from there yeah and so the fact that alfred hitchcock came first about the serialized creepy uh black and white horror right series that's hitchcock yeah i'd actually i mean after after doing this challenge i would like to watch those as well yeah me too i'm can you i'm sure you could find them i've watched a couple of them yeah yeah Yeah. i've watched a couple of them in preparation for this because i was like i gotta at least watch a couple of these yeah above and beyond no they were fun uh, it's also funny because you see the same actors pop up again and again in his movies. Uh, and then even in Alfred Hitchcock Presents, the one I watched, there was an actress. And I said, where do I know her from? Yeah, oh, that's right. That was one of the movies I just barely watched. Yeah. So, yeah, they pop around there. In fact, I have a list, but we may get into that. Uh, but, yeah, a few actors like Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant showed up a whole bunch of times. Grace Kelly a few times as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I wanted to bring up this, Kent, because there's a lot of things you get angry about. And I want to. <laughs> what do you mean? Just, what I do you mean, Joel? <laughs> But Hitchcock also is the reboot king. I had no idea until this challenge. And honestly. not really the reboot king. I say that facetiously, but he remade his own movie. Twice. Yeah. He made, what, well, twice? Yeah. What do you mean twice? Murder Mary. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of The Man Who Knew Too Much and, and The Man, Man Who, who knew, knew Too Much. much. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess twice, yeah. So he did The Man Who Knew Too Much in 1934, I want to say. Yes, with Peter Lorre. And then he remade it in 1956. Jimmy Stewart. With and Jimmy Doris Stewart. Day. And it was, it was, it's a different movie. Like, there, there are differences between them. But That's the Que movie. Yeah, Que Sera, Sera Very yep. good. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was so fascinating that he remade his own movie. Like, he's like, I didn't do it right the first time. I'm going to do it again. I, I think he had a good point. Well, and but I do like the older one, too. That had some good Yeah, the moments. older one's good, but the new one does it so much better. Uh, maybe not totally necessary. But, but then also, we should bring that up, too. Okay? A lot of people say 52 films of Hitchcock directed yes. because they don't include the German remake of Murder. Oh, no, not Murder. Murder! Murder! Because it's got an exclamation point. It's a point. silent movie, yeah. but it has an yeah. exclamation point in the title. And so he remade that in German. Like, he actually used the same sets, like, in the same studio, but just they bring in a different... A group of actors at night, and he directed a German spoken film, which we could not find in English anywhere. No. And I couldn't even find so it, you in just watched German. it in German. I couldn't find it in German. I watched Jacob. I've, I've seen them all. I the watched, German, the German one's better. I watched a Russian dub version of the German movie. <laughs> and not only know. Russian dubbed, but it was like two people, like we're doing now, just talking over each other. Yeah, so talking it'd, over it'd, be each like, other. it'd be like, uh, hello, I'm speaking German. Wie kommst du in die Schule? That's German. Kind of like that. But yeah. yeah. That was but yeah, it was Vodka. Like Russian That's it. Russian. But the fact that I, I watched Murder not too long before, I was like, I know what's happening in this movie. I just can't understand what people are saying. It was ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So before we get into films, I do want to touch on uh, common themes that he has in his movies. Please do. So for example, like, and we should talk about the women that Alfred Hitchcock works with. Yes. Because he, he chooses them very specifically. He, he was very picky about who he wanted to act in his movies. And when he didn't get who he wanted... He kind of threw a little director fit and, yeah. treated, and treated him. Uh, he was cold to them, I guess I could yes. say. 
And so, for example, like the the women in most of his movies, they are often cold, elegant, and shrewd, and deeply troubled in most cases. And that seems to be like kind of the, the 50s and 60s era, especially. Yeah. But I was actually surprised by how many female protagonists there were in Hitchcock movies. Right. Like a lot of them. It was like the, the, the female protagonist was one kind of driving the, the narrative. Yeah, early on. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see. Like, for example, like you said, it was usually an acu- a man accused of murder and he's on the run and there's usually a woman that saves him yeah. in the end. I'm almost surprised with how much he got away with in yeah. early movies. It just seemed like in the first couple movies, first couple of silent movies, he always found a way for a woman to change clothing. And it was ne- it never showed anything scandalous. They couldn't back then. Right. But it was like you'd see like the dress flip up over the the dressing wall whatever right. they call that and then like you'd kind of see a stocking poke out as she's putting on her stocking and i'm like oh hitchcock right you naughty boy <laughs> also he had a type for uh, men as well so his heroes were mostly tall and thin mm-hmm. and they also showed showed vulnerability yeah like it's strange there was there weren't many like strong types and if they were there was something going on behind the scenes like yes, they were was... maybe a little malicious exactly yeah. It's funny, though, because like with actors, he got he, he like I said, we had a very low opinion of actors and he especially got annoyed in the later, you know, in the 60s when actors started coming in being like, oh, I'm a method actor. You know, I am. Im- I improvise. You yeah. know, with, I, this is what my care. What's my character's motivation? And he's like, your motivation is the paycheck. That's what you're doing. And then at one one of them was telling him how he just liked to improvise his lines and try different things. And Hitchcock told him that's not acting. That's writing. You're not a writer. You're an actor. Act. <laughs> oh, Do what I told you on the paper. Also, I was actually kind of just uh, intrigued to see uh, Hitchcock's output. So he did the most movies in the 30s. He made 14 movies in the 30s. And then he made 12 in the 40s, 11 in the 50s, only five in the 60s, and only two in the 70s. And he lived until 1980. Yeah. Like he had, his failing health kind of limited his output in later life. Oh, I should mention he also made nine in the 20s. So it, he had this whole range, but he kind of peaked in the 40s and then kind of lowered his output after that. I mean, just how crazy, though, that this guy went from silent movies in Britain. Yeah. And then came here and started popularizing movies, won an Oscar. So he went to talkies. And then all of a sudden he went to this murder mystery, which just became this huge genre. Mm-hmm. And then he even was there for like the rated R boom of the 70s. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like before 1969, you just couldn't put stuff in movies. No. It just wasn't allowed. And then they made the, the the ratings code. The Motion Picture Association came out with the ratings where it's like, okay, you can have G, P, G, and R. Yeah. Actually, I think at the beginning it was just G and R. Hitchcock was like, okay, now we can show things that I didn't show before. Yeah, and, and, and he may did. have taken it too far. A little bit. Yeah, thank you for helping me edit that, by the way, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually clear played a movie for Joel <laughs> on my own. They didn't have a clear play, so I had to say, Kit, what naughty parts do I need to jump over? So All I right. just want to say this quote from, from him okay. real quick. So he said, I'm a typed director. If I made Cinderella, the audience would immediately be looking for a body in the coach. So he knew what he had to do for these oh, movies. He did. He did. And I think he knew when he wasn't being true to himself. And that's why those movies may not be as passionate or impressive right because he knew what he, he was doing and it's been amazing to see so many people try to copy what he did because he wasn't just about suspense he created like i mean honestly the cinematographers helped out with this uh but he created shots that were unique that people were like how did he do that and then everyone would start copying it or he created plot devices with the writers right and then they would come back with these amazing twists that no one expected so uh, the, i think the reason we wanted to do an alfred hitchcock show is because we respect the films that he made and the influence that he had and also, he's kind of creepy. Yeah. His Perfect. Mo- his movies are kind of creepy. I was going to say. His movies he? are kind of creepy. Okay. He right. probably is, too. No, he was Let's always, be honest. Like, I, I actually heard, I watched so many interviews with him, too. Well, just a couple, like with Dick Cavett, especially, he has a long interview with him. And he's so, like, just with, like, controlled and proper 
that it, and apparently he like almost never lost his temper on set. There's very few times when he apparently lost his temper and yelled at people, but most of the time he's just kind of like, "This is the way it is." I mean, where's control. my boiled ham? <laughs> That's when. That's a, as I could quote from him. A boiled hound. Is that, <laughs> a boi- I want my boiled hound. When is yes. it? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's start with your five worst. I'm going to start first because I want to bring in some controversy here. Already? Yeah. Because people are going to be mad about Hitchcock movies. <laughs> so much passion. And so we are going to try to explain these Somebody movies cares to out you. There. But these are the movies maybe that you might want to avoid. The fifth worst one is uh, widely praised is one of his best, at least in the top 10, maybe really? top really? 15. The Lady Vanishes. 1938. You're putting that in the bottom? While traveling in continental Europe, a rich young playgirl realizes that an elderly lady seems to have disappeared from the train. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see Flight Plan with Jodie Foster? Jacob's up to 19. Did did you see that one? I'm up to way more than 19. Yeah, I've seen The Lady Vanishes on the plane. Have you seen? No, it's a train. Her train. That that was Flight Plan. (laughs) I've definitely seen it. He did have one on a plane, though, Jacob, if you remember that one. Foreign correspondent. Yes. Really? No, I didn't see that. So one. here's the yeah. I expected a lot from this movie because I'd actually heard the title before I watched it and I knew that it was that whole trope that I'd seen in new other you movies. You just hated it because the title gave away the plot. Yeah, the lady vanishes. This is literally about a, a a woman who is like makes friend with an older woman. The older woman disappears. She goes, Where did my friend go? And everyone on the train yeah. goes, There was never anyone here. But that is that's what's so like surreal that about it. I thought it was because good it was it was a bumbling comedy that turned into a spy thriller that didn't work at all. It took it it took a half hour. So you're saying that it's Man from Uncle. Oh, get real. <laughs> you would. That was a great to, that movie. was just to provoke you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So it was a half hour before anyone even gets on this train. And it's all about these two like buddies who are just watching people in a hotel. And then the flower pot falls. No, the hotel was weird. The hotel was so yeah. boring. Yeah, it was it a, a little bit of farcical things there. Filler and at the end, it, it ends with a shootout with Nazis or something. Yeah. Or Russians. <laughs> and it no, was, I was amazed about how Hitchcock very often would not name who his villains were. They were just foreign villains. Yeah, because you have to realize also Hitchcock was making films during World War One and well, just after World War One and World War Two. So he was all about spies and espionage and foreign enemies. But this one is kind of it just doesn't explain itself. Like the, the woman who disappears, it never really explains what she's doing. Like she's the MacGuffin. But there should be a reason that she's disappeared or someone made but her disappear. she was disappear. a spy. Hey, hey, spoilers. The, well, well, spoilers spoil for 1927? Away. It's not 1937. 1938. 38. Oh, 38. Okay, sorry. That changes everything. And also, it does. It's 11 years later. <laughs> in this movie, the passengers have to drive the train after it's caught in a snowbank, and it's never... The passengers should not be allowed to drive a train. <laughs> That's why it's in your bottom five? <laughs> it's, it's implausible. I don't think that belongs passengers to the Passengers driving trains no, I, is implausible. I, that movie finished, and I was like, I'm, I'm happy that's over. Because uh-huh. it's a longer one as well. It's almost two hours. Well, yeah, yeah I believe his longest one was actually Topaz. Was yes. The longest yeah. One. Topaz yeah. was too long. Oh, you haven't seen we'll it. We'll get to that. I um, have seen it. Okay. So my number five is from 1945. And it's st- I'm going to get in trouble for this one, I think. Yes. Because it's uh, our Lindsay, our friend Lindsay, who listens to the show on yeah. occasion. Uh, Nerdy Blackbird. She mentioned Gregory Peck. Yeah. What uh, are you going to do? Oh, don't you dare. Oh. Spellbound is my okay. number five worst. Tell us what's it, what it's about. Spellbound. A psychiatrist protects the identity of an amnesia patient accused of murder while attempting to recover his memory. So the short version is there's this group of doctors and a new doctor comes in and says, I'm the new doctor that's going to take over the hospital. And they're like, okay, sure. And then he gets in there and it starts to kind of realize that he's not who he says he is. And this movie, holy cow, it plays more like a 50s sci-fi movie it than does. it does... A 40s thriller. I'm sorry, though. Any movie with Gregory Peck and Ingrid Bergman 
Okay. I mean, that is quality Block together. of wood. <gasps> not a great actress. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I liked Ingrid Bergman. I'm sorry, I like, Lindsay. I, I, no, I can't I, stop it. I, I, don't I know. like, I like yeah, Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca, but I saw her in multiple roles in Hitchcock, and every time I'm like, she's not the right fit for this role. Like, she's supposed to be kind of this cold-hearted doctor who's trying... Okay, and the science, the pseudoscience they put into this movie... I'm just stunned right so now that ridiculous. Spellbound made no, your bottom I, I, five. I had a hard time not laughing at this movie when they're, like, trying to explain psychology in a way that is so farcical. And then they do, they do this really cool kind of surreal... You're uh, making me want to see this one, to be honest. Well, okay, so Salvador Dali actually designed a dream sequence for this movie. Which it's worth I, watching. I don't think I have seen which this originally was supposed to be 20 minutes long, a 20 minute long dream what? sequence, <laughs> but they cut it down to two minutes and it is just so laughable. This whole movie, like every time like she draws, uh, she puts a fork across the tablecloth and to make some lines in it. Yeah. And like Gregory Peck's like, oh, no. And then the music just comes in like, like ah! the, it's the theremin, like the 50s right. sci-fi sound. Right. It's so un- unnerving. I am shocked by and then, this. Okay, so ladies, let me ask you a question. This is here. less shocking than your choice. <laughs> uh, is it? I'm going to ask is. the ladies in the room, if you're listening, a question. If you found out the guy that you were interested in was not only lying about who he was, but could be a killer, would you stand by him if you've only known them for two weeks? Maybe if it's Gregory Peck. No, they wouldn't say that. <laughs> Ladies, calm no, they, down. They say for sure if it was Gregory Peck. <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah. actually, they, they did have a, uh, like an uh, an actual, what was she? A therapist, a doctor who was on set to supposed to be kind of the technical advisor, but apparently they never got along. Uh, the advisor in Hitchcock never got along. Hmm. Wow. So also parts yep. of this film were shot in Alta, Utah. Oh, fun. Interesting yeah. choice. On to my number four. Yep. Okay. We mentioned it just a second ago. It's Topaz. Yeah. Topaz, this one is not well liked. That is one of the lower ones. 1969. And this was, I mean, this is Cold War era stuff. I'll, I'll read the synopsis. A French intelligent agent becomes embroiled in the Cold War in the Cold War politics, first with uncovering the events leading up to the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, and then back to France to break up an international Russian spy ring. I almost fell asleep reading that. So no, this movie, this, is, this movie is a good depiction of marriage and how people are happy in marriage. No, they're okay. So <laughs> it's Holy really cow. not. It's like one of the worst. No, Hitchcock. I, I swear, Hitchcock. Even though he was married for fifty years, he didn't think anyone should be married at all. Well, he just felt any marriage in these movies was either easy to get out of, or you just purposely made it worse. Yeah. So this movie, it's, it's like a James. He just knew Bond. he had to sensational, sensationalize things. Yes. Right? Topaz I mean, yeah. is like a James Bond movie for bureaucrats. Like this is just the most dull dry, boring movie I'd seen in a long time. And I, I actually watched it the whole time going, is anyone like following what's going on here? Does anyone care at this point? This is so dull. And apparently they, it, it used to be 143 minutes and they had to chop it down to 127 minutes yep. to go to theater. And they had three different endings that they filmed. My number four, because we need to go quicker, is from 1941. It's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. (laughs) Yeah, that one was kind of goofy. A couple who have been married for three years are shocked to learn that their marriage is not legally valid. And then there are spies that have to kill each other and Brad Pitt comes in. Yeah, right? Like, they have that... Yeah. It's not a remake because it's just altogether a different movie. The same title, different movie. Yeah, Yeah, that was a little weird. So here's the thing, like, this is a comedy of remarriage, but it's it's also one of these things where, like, hey, we've been married for a while, but my buddy kind of wants to, to hook up with you, and let's just see who pairs better. And it's screwball comedy, and if there's anything I just hate, 
in movies. It's screwball it's comedy. screwball comedy. Yeah, that one. And actually, he can do it well, and there's one movie where he does it okay. This is not that movie. And it's actually said that he made, so they call this a strained one-off attempt, like all the critics at the time, and it said that he made this for the star, Carol Lombard. Like, that's why he made this movie. I really don't like this movie. It's no, a bad it was, reason. It was one of those movies that I watched it the whole time going, I don't like either one of these characters. Right. Like you're not rooting for them to stay he, together. Or, he's kind of a jerk at the beginning, and then right. w- then when she, you know, kind of starts dating other people, she becomes a jerk. And I'm like, what is going on? Have you seen this one, Jake? No, don't don't watch it. Yeah, no. my God. number three is from 1931. I'm all mine are old. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. So what was your first, what was your number five? That was what? Lady vanishes. Thirty. We didn't, we didn't see Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Joel, 31. did you see that coming? Did you see that? that they're coming? all going to be old. Yeah, the oh, ones he I, hates the most are are the <laughs> oldest ones. I, after our best picture winner, I had the like, same thing with best. I, I hate, hate everything from 1920 I, to 1940. I hate the 1930s. Apparently, so in 1931, rich and strange. Now this one, okay, this is the second one about marriage that you picked, Kent. Yes. Do we, get, do we need to get the doctor in here to kind of analyze what you're thinking? Dude, Hitchcock, <laughs> I just don't think he does it right, okay? Believing that an unexpected inheritance will bring them happiness, a married couple instead finds their relationship strained to the breaking point. That yeah. is the... Strained to the breaking point, it doesn't even do it justice. They not literally, even. They walk on the cruise ship and they're like, ah, I no. guess we're going to go fool around now with other people. So she hooks up with the Commodore. He hooks uh, up what? with... Yeah, yeah, no. She finds a Commodore. He finds a princess. And I say that in quotes. And, you know, they basically are like, let's just do this. And then there's this ship sinking at the end that is so boring. It's like 40 minutes of them standing on the side of the ship going, I hope we're rescued. Yeah. And then some Japanese people uh, pick them up and cook a cat. <laughs> yes. It's so this movie's only dance what? scenes. This and is then a sinking I'm not Wait, which one was this, that up. What was this one called again? This is called Rich and Strange, Rich and otherwise Strange. known as East of Shanghai. Hmm. It's bad. I don't even, so what's your number three? I haven't even heard of this one. I mentioned my number three already, yeah, and three. it is from 1930. It's Juno and the Paycock, the, or otherwise known a as bad movie. The Shame of Mary Boyle. So here's the summary. During the Irish I Civil War it. in 1922, a family earns a big inheritance. They start reading a rich life, forgetting what the most important values are. And this is a movie that was based on a play, and you can tell because it's a play that mm-hmm. someone has filmed. Like Hitchcock doesn't really use any of his camera movements or tricks. It's people sitting around and talking. And it's not exciting at all. People like, really like the female a, lead, though, the, the matriarch role. Yeah, yeah, they like her. And, and people like the play. And yeah. it's probably a good play. And there, I and didn't think so. There's some dramatic yeah. things that happen. I haven't seen this one either. Yeah, this, it takes really incredible writing to get away with that sort of thing on screen. And right. it wasn't. It wasn't incredible writing. It really dragged. And then when the bad stuff started happening near the end, because spoiler alert, I don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind spoiling these older ones, these one, the bad ones. But you find out they only think they got an inheritance. It turns out there was a miscalculation and they didn't get the inheritance at all. And everything starts getting repossessed and their son commits suicide. So it's a little bit depressing. Yay. Yay. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. But, you know, all that's the your number survive. two. That's my number three. Okay. My number two was one that was literally a silent film, meaning there was no accompaniment. Mm-hmm. And I got so distracted by how quiet it was. <laughs> I started playing silent movie music on my phone just so I could have something going on with the TV. And it's Downhill, otherwise known as When the Boys Leave Home, 1927. Here's the summary. Public schoolboy Roddy Berwick is expelled from school when he takes the blame for a friend's charge and his life falls apart in a series of misadventures. But this movie, Downhill, is the one where I spent the whole movie trying to figure out why on earth any of the characters were doing what they what they were doing. Like, for example, these two buddies... Uh, in college together or in high school together so about, about to go to college yeah prep school yeah and so they're and they go and hang out with this girl at her shop 
and then they leave. And then like the next scene, she's in the, the principal's office mm-hmm. saying, uh, she doesn't even say what's wrong. No. She just basically says, and points. it was yes. him. And she points to the wrong guy. Because basically what happens is I had to read the summary after she's pregnant or she says she's pregnant and then she blames the guy that she wasn't even with. And then the one guy who she wasn't with goes, yes, it was me. And he says it because his friend is poor and he's rich and he's like, you got that scholarship. You need to keep it. I'm going to take the blame for this. And then the whole movie, he kind of just keeps taking the blame for this action and it just sets his life. He ends up being a escort at a dance hall for old women. So things turned out well. Yeah. (laughs) Really progressive movie. (laughs) But the whole time I'm like, just tell the truth. Like, what is the harm in telling the truth in this case? Right. It it annoyed me. So one one good thing I'll say about this is they have kind of a cool shot. You got to protect people from the truth, Joel. You do. Have movies taught you nothing? (laughs) We we, we protect you from the truth all the time, Jacob. I know. Thank you. Um, But no, there's one shot actually that I enjoyed this movie. And I want to bring that up. Okay. uh, Just because it was one that I went, oh, wow. Because it says at one point, it says the land of make-believe. And it shows him kind of like in a tuxedo and he looks like he's successful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the camera pans out and you realize he's just an actor on a stage. Like he's in a performance. And so it wasn't, he wasn't really, things weren't well for him anymore. Oh, so that I was clever. That was one thing. Yeah, that was clever. Okay. There's one glowing part. Speaking of being fancy, my number two is from 1928. It's champagne. Oh yeah. Champagne wasn't good either. A spoiled heiress. <laughs> <defies laughs> I fo- saw such yeah. old ones. A spoiled heiress. But, uh, wait, Kent, have you yes, left yes, yes. the ninth? Have you left early 1930s? Yeah. 1941 was one of my movies. Which one was that? Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Oh, that's right. That was, yeah. A spoiled heiress defies her father by running off to marry her lover. However, daddy has a few tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> so this movie, I think I think Hitchcock got bored or lazy because he thought he was really clever or maybe someone thought this was a clever trick. He shoots the camera through a champagne glass and that's the effect that's used about four or five times. Yeah. Because you see like it's a dance hall and it's all bubbly and you're like, oh, that's so clever. And then you see it many more times like you've got nothing. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, and this one was funny too because the whole premise is this girl, this spoiled brat. Yes. Uh, her dad suddenly says, we've lost everything. We're poor. And so they have to live together in like this house and she has to learn how to cook and, and clean. And, and he uh, actually didn't lose any of the money at all. It's all just a trick to yep. get his daughter to humble herself. I didn't hate this one as much, but it's definitely near the lower end. Do you know who really hated this movie? You? Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, he did. This is his least favorite. Really? Yes. Did he say that for that one? Yep. Okay. He was asked in 1976, what's your least favorite movie you've ever done? Champagne. I think he changed his answers a couple times on both favorite and least favorite. Well, he had one that kept coming up as favorite I read. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number one, least favorite from your ni- number one, least favorite. 1939. Oh, God. What's it going to be? Jamaica Inn. No. Yep. <laughs> Jamaica Inn wasn't that bad. It's bad. This was his last film in Britain. In Cornwall in 1819, a young woman discovers that she's living near a gang of criminals who arrange shipwrecks for profit. So this one was adapted from a book and Hitchcock was working with this author and it's the same author who actually did Rebecca. So really soon after, so the author actually saw Jamaica Inn and said, I don't know if I want to work with this guy anymore. This is a really bad movie and tried to hold back the rights to Rebecca, but eventually gave them over. I didn't think Jamaica Inn was that bad. It was, it was, oh, I thought it was so hammy. Oh, who's the, who's the main actress in that though? Oh, it's, uh, it's um, who cares? <laughs> no, I was going to say Because it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought uh, Maureen O'Hara, the main actress, yes. I thought she was really good in that. Like, I like Maureen O'Hara. She's the mom uh, from Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. But I, and then Charles Lawton, you, you have to enjoy Charles Lawton. I did not at all. He's Mutiny on the Bounty. Nope. Oh. It just uh, seemed like, like it one. was typecast and there was really, 
I mean, it's, oh, it was. I hate it when you pick. This is your least favorite when it's my most favorite. Oh, great! Here That's we go. So, Joel, That's not true. What's yeah. your number one? What's your number one? Yeah. Well, I want to point out that Kent was like you know thirties, twenties the whole time, and I have gone just to point this out: 1945, 1969, 1930, 1927, and this one from 1964. So diverse, Marnie. <laughs> <gasps> of course you did. Marnie, you're it, it's your number one worst. No, crazy. Jacob, Jacob I, wanna, I wanna tell silly. you. Jacob, That's, I wanna tell you. I went into this. You're a liar. I went into this going, okay. <laughs> Don't believe him either. I said Marnie had the top spot. Let's see if anyone can knock it out, and no one did. Did you watch it again? I, I read the summary again and I watched a couple videos of it. Unbelievable. No, no, no. Jacob, I, I had to watch 33 movies in 21 days. I don't believe you. No, so I Jake, went through. I, re- I rewatched this movie for you. You did? I did. And I watched this, Jacob. And I guess it didn't make your bottom five. When I when I reread the synopsis, I got angry all over again. And none of these other ones made me it's angry. It's a good synopsis. No, it's a terrible movie. Let me tell you. Okay, here's the summary. Mark marries Marnie, although she is a habitual thief and has serious psychological problems and tries to help comfort her and resolve them. Now, it says Mark marries Marnie, but really he blackmails her into <laughs> yeah, marrying him. that is what he does. And then she does not want to be touched. He says, he says uh, she's like, I'm not some pet you've caught. And he's like, yeah, and I've caught something really dangerous this time. Because it's Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also, and I don't, I don't want to go too into detail, but she does not like to be touched and he does not respect her wishes. And it's a very disturbing scene that shouldn't have been in the movie. That is true. And so I watch this and I think the reason, oh. I, I want to say honestly, I think, I think the reason is this, this is my number reason? one is because it had the potential. It has Sean Connery and Tippi Hedren and it yeah. drops so far down. Like, yeah, but I didn't the, have expectations for a lot of these other ones. This one, I had expectations, and they were totally Was it just undercut. the twist was too dark? Because the twist is actually explains a lot. It, no, does. it's, it does. It's no, like no, the whole no, thing no. wraps up really well with I'm, that. I'm fine with the twist at the end, but the problem is I didn't like Mark. I didn't like Marnie. I didn't like any of the surrounding characters. Oh, I didn't okay. like anyone in this movie. What about the scene where she's stealing from the safe? Like, that's so well shot. So suspenseful. Well, ev- that's what I'm saying. Everything has those little moments of, oh, that part, that, that part's good. But then just the the bad did just outweigh it. And the cleaner's death. Yeah. It was so great because you go through all this like pain watching her and then. And I'm, I do think Tippi Hedren overacted like crazy in oh, that yeah. movie. But this is post psycho. Like Hitchcock should have known better at this point how to do things. And he actually wanted Grace Kelly to be the main role. Yeah. But she was the princess of Monaco by that point And yep. they did not want to see her portraying a thief. And with a really troubled past. Yes. A very troubled very, past. Very, very troubled. So yeah, this one was just one that I just was disappointed in when I first saw it, and then reading the synopsis and watching the clips again, I'm like, oh, I just I'm sorry, really I rewatched this like one this just for Jake on this one. It's nowhere near bottom five. Oh, it's number one. Worst. Like I admit, it's a little, it's a little overlong, but other than that, like man, there's really great psychological stuff in this movie. It's Whoa. creepy and unnerving. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It's just generally unpleasant. It's not even fun unpleasant. It's bad unpleasant. So there you go. There's All my right. number one. Oh, by the way, uh, 1964 New York Times film review called it Hitchcock's most disappointing film in years. And uh, then they also said that you're cherry picking. You know, Hed- yeah, that's Hedren, exactly what you're Hedren doing. And Connery. <laughs> I can find plenty of reviews that like celebrate this. That movie. had an amateur amateurish script and glaringly fake cardboard backdrops. Well, that's Hollywood. That's back most. Then. Yeah, that's most Hitchcock movies. <laughs> oh man, Hitchcock. Even even in in uh, oh Family Plot, his yes. last movie in 1976. He had. He still did the rear projection when they were driving. Like yeah, it always looks so bad whenever people were driving in his movies. But you know, 
Okay, so let's explain what we're going to do because we just did our bottom five. We want to give everything in the Marky. middle because we're going to yes. get to the best. We're going to get to our top five, but we wanted to give some love to the middle because there's 53 movies. Yes. We're not going to give them to all the awards. No, no, no. Not everyone gets an award here. And we'll be a little bit quick with this one, but we want to give these awards. We want to call these very honorable mentions. And we also should mention we were not allowed to include any from our top five or our bottom five in these middle awards. So when we say something like coolest effect, we're not talking or like about if we said scariest, like everyone would kind of say, oh, it's that movie with the, uh, yeah. you know, the guy, at the hotel. But uh, <laughs> you don't want to say the word psycho. <laughs> we'll get there. But so we're not going to include our top. So these are very our bottom honorable mentions. Yes. So, Jacob, if you want to jump through the categories, let's go right. through these quickly. Here comes the categories. What is the best silent feature? Can we probably agree on this one? I think I chose the lodger. Oh, it's The Lodger for sure. So The Lodger was his second movie. I 1927. 1928. A landlady suspects her new lodger is the madman killing women in London. So it's kind of the Jack the Ripper tale uh, where you don't know who the murderer is. But it actually, I thought I knew where this movie was going. Right. And it surprised me. And I went, good job, movie. Do you know why you thought you knew where this movie was going? Because he, so basically this guy moves into uh, this, this place and there's a romantic thing. But there's also Jack the Ripper in town, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they think it's this guy. Hitchcock wanted this guy to actually be the villain in the end. But like many of his movies, the studio said, no, he is a pop star. This guy was a pop star in the movie. <laughs> he has to be innocent. Spoiler alert. It's 1927. Also, they have a really cool shot when he wanted to show uh, the the guy pacing in the room. So he actually got a glass floor and filmed underneath it. Oh, so that's that you cool. can see the walking back and forth and the people looking up. Yeah, because, you know, you're like, what's going on upstairs? There's so much movement. It was and a he, silent movie. You couldn't hear the footsteps. Yes. So he, he let you see them. Also, it has one of the coolest shots in Hitchcock movies because you see the, the lodger coming upstairs, but you look down the stairs. All you see it's is just his hand, hand sliding around. It's, it's a really so cool good. Shot. All you oh, see is the cool. hand. Yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah, lodger. All right. Next is uh, what was the best new to you meaning, movie? Meaning the first time with the first time we saw it was during this challenge, right? Guys, mine's from 1943. So look, I'm digging back. This means not in your top five. Yeah, this means yeah, it, yeah. this is the first time I watched it, and I am thankful I did. Shadow of a Doubt. So oh yeah, Shadow of a Doubt. A young woman discovers her visiting uncle. Oh, Jacob's up to twenty. May not be the man he's going to keep going to up be. To. So this movie, it's like. You know, you don't trust this one character in the movie at all as the audience or the girl doesn't, but he seems to Aren't get away. Are they supposed to be faster? Yes. He gets away with that. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is purported to be Hitchcock's favorite movie. Oh, yeah. He did, say that. He did mention that really? a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, best new to me, I actually said Family Plot. Really? This was the That's first. the last one. Is it because yeah, it was quirky? It, was movie. Well, it, it is quirky. It wasn't received got, very well. No, it wasn't received very well. And I actually, this was one of the first ones I watched during my binge. And I was like, man, if they're all going to be like this, I'll be happy because uh, it's about a phony psychic uh, trying to uh, help find the swindle. She's swindling an well, old no, woman. She was helping, yeah, she was, yes. No, they were trying to help find the heir to yes. this fortune. And the whole time I was like, why don't you just say you're the heir? But they didn't. But I really liked the way it was kind of like they were trying to give a good message. But then this guy thought they were trying to give a bad message. And there was this miscommunication. Tonally, it's so different from all of his movies. It's goofy. Because I watched that one like without any context of time and like, you know, the the release date <laughs> so, on this movie. And I watched it like yeah. after whatever else. And I'm like, what is going on here? Hitchcock just, just loved his. Day, oh, go ahead. I was going to say just the other day, I was driving down a mountain road <laughs> and with yeah. my wife. Yeah. And she said, if we start going out of control, I'm going to start climbing all over you 
Because in the movie, that's what happens. It's Take like, it easy. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> like during the movie, they're obviously doing this rear projection and their car goes out of control. And the wife character or the girlfriend character, she starts freaking out and like climbing all over the seats and like blocking his face. And like, I'm like, what are you doing? Hitchcock had a thing with cars out of control. It was generally Cary Grant who was drunk driving yeah. them. Uh, yeah. But he loved the out of control <laughs> car chases over the cliff edge. Yeah. All right, Jacob, let's move on. Which one was the least Hitchcockian? I'll go first. I'll say Under Capricorn. So Under Capricorn is... Is that a, the musical? No, nope. it's not the musical. Uh, that's... Uh, oh, the, Waltz the is from Strauss Vienna. One. Yeah. But uh, this one was 1949, and it's a young gentleman goes to Australia where he reunites with a now married childhood sweetheart. And it's a period piece. Yes. Like, it's kind of like this... Uh, it's like... It's Australia just getting settled. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like it could be directed by anyone, to be honest. Like, I watched this one going, this this could be... Except for he had some returning cast. That was about it. He did. And there was one part at the end where I went, okay, that feels a little Hitchcock. But the whole rest of the movie, I was like, this... Well, it was a anyone. really terrible marriage story. So it's a Hitchcock movie for <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. At least that part. All right. So mine is actually Waltz is from Vienna, 1934. Yes. And that was about the comp- composition of the Blue Danube. Yes. Yeah, so Johann Strauss, dun, Elder dun, and Younger. Dun, and this dun, one, dun, it doesn't even have dun, like... Dun, it, it fades in and out a lot dun, and uses dun, the music. Dun, 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 I I didn't dun, really care dun, for this one. This dun, almost dun. made my bottom five. Really? Yeah. See, I thought this one was kind of a middle of the road. Like, and maybe it's because I like the music. Yeah. But man, Hitchcock used a lot of waltzes in his movies too. Yes, he did. Next is the worst title. Juno and the Peacock. Uh, otherwise known as The Shame of Mary Boyle. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's good What's enough. That's, Juno and the Peacock. That's all you need to hear. No, and Juno is the name of, the, of one of the characters. And then a Peacock is another word for peacock. It's someone who's strutting around thinking they're a point, uh, important. Quit peacocking. <laughs> and then I chose, actually, I actually chose The Ring. Oh, what? And, oh and, seven days. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Because Wait, both? Are, I chose them both because both of them, I'm like, yeah, these have nothing to do with the movies that I know and love. I shouldn't oh that. my gosh. Is that really where you're going with that? <laughs> well, no, because I actually did choose the ring because I was like, I hate that every time I see this, I think I'm going to get a horror movie and I get a boxing movie. I hoped I was going to get a horror movie. And it was a boxing movie. And then it also has to do with the wedding ring. So, eh, but still the ring, pretty general and not as good as the real title holder of that. Not as good as the ring too, obviously. Oh. <laughs> or Juno and the Peacock. Can't you win that round? There's <laughs> <laughs> no scores. <laughs> There's scores. I just made a score. Best romantic tension. I chose North by Northwest because I feel like uh, very interesting that you chose this one at well, this just, point because that's Why one of those. That, okay. Well, no, only because I feel like North by Northwest, and yes, that means it doesn't make my top five. That's but, what I'm saying. Oh gosh, yes. yeah, that's true. It, it did not make my top five, but I really like. Like, okay, I'll say this: it might not be my top five either. I don't really. I don't think Cary Grant was that good in the Hitchcock movies he was in, except for North by Northwest. What? Yes, you're. Insane. That is crazy. I know. To and I know it sounds thief? crazy. I did not like to catch a thief. <gasps> that almost made my bottom. But uh, I thought the the relationship between Cary Grant and Ava Marie Saint. Is it Ava Marie Saint? your bottom? Yeah, Ava Marie Saint. That's what it is. I thought their relationship was one of the few where I went, I'm buying into this and they really should get together. Like the double entendres they do? Is that what you well, mean? Well, that was, you know. yeah. All right, Kent. Uh, Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman in Notorious. No! Yeah. No. Did that make my... Hold on. Did I put that for least? Because <laughs> I may be getting into that. So this movie oh, is... No, a woman is asked to spy on a group of Nazi friends in South America. How far will she have to go to integrate them, integrate herself with them? Oh, no. Sorry. I was thinking of Suspicion. Notorious. So in Notorious, like, these two... Like, he's meant to hire her for a job, and he's by, by the government, but they fall in love, and then he says, you actually have they to go... They fall in love in five minutes. Yeah, well, that's, Boom. Well, it's old movies. Up. He says, now you have to go marry this. I hate you. I love you. You have to go and marry this Nazi. 
and get as many secrets as you can from them. And it's like this star-crossed lover thing because he is actually like hurt. He is broken up that she has to go live this other life and she feels betrayed by him. I actually thought... supposed to be long. He's hmm. short, right? Oh, oh, yeah, because you've been super short. I said North by Northwest. I didn't even give a plot summary. <laughs> we all know North by Northwest because it's great. Is there really a plot? In North by Northwest? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. What? What? Mm. Wow. Well, Jacob hasn't watched all the Hitchcock yeah, yet, so yeah. he doesn't understand. He's seen, what, 13 now? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up is the least believable romance. 1955, The Trouble with Harry. Yeah. Hitch- Hitchcock yeah, comedy about a dead guy that people find, and it's... They find and have no reaction to the entire no time. No reaction. Even his... I'm going to spoil Look, this. This is the it's humor. Comedy. This is the point of the movie, though. No, no, no. Is that no one Even, reacts Jacob, to a dead body. Jacob, you haven't seen old Hitchcock. You don't understand. <laughs> I... <laughs> so his <laughs> wife, played by Shirley MacLaine, in her first role, apparently, she meets this guy who is an artist, and they fall in love. His name is John Forsythe, the actor. Well, they, they, they don't love. fall in love. No, they fall in love. They fall in love. No, they just, don't. Yes, they do. They talk about getting married. They do talk about getting married. It's not because they fall in love. They do fall in love. He's they just fall. like, I'd like to paint you. And she's like, hmm, you're nice. Yeah, you're actually, nice. Let's get married. Yeah. Yeah. Least believable I, I, no, romance. That, that, that's reasonable. I'll buy into that. Yeah. I chose the paradigm case. Also, Gregory Unbelievable. Peck. Unbelievable. I am shocked. The block <laughs> I of wood. Actually, the block of wood, Gregory <laughs> Peck strikes again. Because I am, he's a handsome block of wood, but the guy has no range. <laughs> But here's the thing about the paradigm case. So the paradigm case That's is a great quote, yeah. The paradigm case is about a lawyer who's forced to defend a woman who's accused of murder. Yes. And he meets her and immediately is like, I'm allured by you. Even though he's married and he starts trying to cheat on his wife with this woman he just met who doesn't even like him. Like the whole time I'm like, I don't buy into the fact that you like this woman. And that all these people are smitten by her because she had no magnetism oh, whatsoever. Man, I, I totally disagree. I think his range in that movie. Sorry, we won't go into it. I may bring it up later. But based on him being a bad lawyer... Uh, based on his obsession, was really clever. I actually had to look up when To Kill a Mockingbird was because I was like, oh man, he may have, he should not have done this after To Kill a Mockingbird because his performance is terrible. And I was like, oh no, he did To Kill a Mockingbird later. He learned from his mistakes in this movie. Wow. Uh, also, honorable mention to Julie Andrews and Paul Newman in Torn Curtain because yeah. as much as I like those two actors, they do not. Yeah, they don't mesh well. No, they don't vibe at all. And also another honorable mention to Cary Grant and Suspicion. That's why I was getting mad Are you at you. taking forever? Yeah, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's the most impressive effect? I actually chose uh, from Saboteur, 1942. They built a to-scale model of the Statue of Liberty's hand in a studio. Really? They climbed all over it. And then at one point, a character... Yeah. At one point, a character falls off the edge. Mm -hmm. And they... Nowadays, it's, you know, completely done with CGI and wires. And it's very easy to do. But back then, they basically... they, They had a black floor and a black saddle. And they had them lay back on it. And they moved the camera up to make it look like the guy was falling. Yeah. And everyone's mind was blown. No one had any idea. People, he says, he said that people still to, you know, years after would ask him, how did you make that look so realistic? So Statue of Liberty Hand. Most cool. impressive. Saboteur. For the most impressive. Sabotage. Saboteur. <laughs> they're, they're, those are two different movies, Saboteur, by the way. That's the one. Uh, my pick is actually from Suspicion. So this says Joan Fontaine and Cary Grant. You're going to kill one of my other ones, I think. I may. So here's what here's what happens. So you don't really trust Cary Grant. You may be up to no good. And he's carrying a glass of milk yes. on a tray upstairs. Yes. And you're supposed to think, or maybe it should be, it's poison in the milk. Mm-hmm. And the milk is lit up. It's I don't know. Glowing. Yeah, it's glowing. He put glowing. a light in the milk. And not like a big one. Like, it's not obvious. It's just, it's drawing attention so to it. So it's this dramatic irony because you see him come upstairs and everything is dark around him except for this glowing glass of milk. And he puts it right next to her and she stares at it for a couple minutes. And you're like, oh, don't drink that. Do don't not drink, drink, drink that. Don't drink the milk. 
What's in the milk? <laughs> does, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Does she drink it? Oh, we're not going to tell you. Uh, Watch the movie. I haven't seen this one. It's a, not a very good romance, but yeah. All right. Best leading man. Oh, this is a big one. I'm going first. Please do. Gregory Peck. No. <laughs> I'm no. not sure he means that, actually. You really don't mean the that. The Paradigm Case and Spellbound. Those are both two. You're not really saying Gregory Peck, are you? Yes, I am. Because you couldn't pick from your top. Okay, I, couldn't I feel pick better from, now. Look, I couldn't pick from my top, and I, I really you like... You actors from your top? No, yeah. I, I decided not to. Oh. Because even though they were in other movies, I thought Gregory Peck was this great... Uh, leading man who like wasn't in the best Hitchcock movies, but I actually this? really liked his character if the majority, in the Paradigm Case. If the majority of movies are outside the top, you can pick him. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the rule. I just made up. <laughs> not going to do it. Honestly, I will stick no, with Gregory they, they Peck. They can be in the top. That doesn't make any sense. This I know. Is, I chose, this is I, actor, not movie. Because I chose James Stewart. Which makes sense. In because, what movie? Uh, in Rope, Rear Window, The Man Who Knew Too Much, and Vertigo. Like None of those are in your top five? No, no, no I'm not saying that. I'm saying, saying he, I'm he saying can the pick the actor. Outside. He can pick the actor. It's yeah. the actor. And so I feel like James Stewart, I feel like we got to see a bunch of different types of roles from can, him. Do you have a different choice? Look, I, I could pick him or Cary Grant or other people, but yeah. for this, the person that's not in my top five, it's definitely Gregory Peck. I, I think you misunderstood the rules. All right. And that's followed by Best Leading Lady. Well, that's got to be Grace Kelly. I mean, dial in for murder, rear window to catch a thief. She is yeah. the peak of elegance in these movies. And every time she was on the screen, I was enjoying the movie. Whereas uh, a couple other actresses, every time yeah. they put them in there, I was like, I can't really take you. I'm sorry. I misunderstood the rules again. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. But I'm going to go. But I did actually want to go hipster on this one. Okay. Because this actress, I, I thought she was great and really commanded the screen. Joan Fontaine from Rebecca and Suspicion. Okay. So she actually won the Academy Award for Rebecca. For Best Actress, yeah. Yeah, and I honestly thought... Like, she is very captivating, actually. She is. Like, she carries a movie all by herself. She didn't need Cary Grant at all in that movie. And, yeah, I think she's absolutely fantastic. That's, that's a great I wish she were in more, to be honest. Yeah. Who's the most interesting villain? That's a good one. What and you guys and it choose? can't be in our top five or bottom five. Wait, why can't this one be? Because this is the villain. Because we oh, couldn't. That's, the villain is the movie, not the actor. I don't even know what the rules are anymore. No, no that act, actually makes sense. The actor is outside the film. No. Like they were cast multiple times. The villain is in one film. Uh, mine is the trapeze artist um, <laughs> from Murder. <laughs> from Murder. Murder. <laughs> in his giant peacock outfit. It was actually kind of a shocking scene. That's actually not the not the case. The most interesting villain, and there are some really good ones, but is Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca. Oh, that's a good choice. It is. And the story of Rebecca is a self-conscious bride is tormented by the memory of her husband's dead first wife. Here's the thing. Mrs. Danvers, she is the housemaid. Every scene she's in, she's Hitchcock put her as the focal point. And she comes up and she always whispers. She has this deadpan whisper. Yeah, she's and she commands. Evil. Oh man, she bosses this woman around. And she binded, She reminded me of the maiden under Capricorn as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Except, Except for that. like this one, there is evil in her eyes. Guys, I don't know about these rules because I want to know your real picks. Well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get there. We'll give so much love to our best. And okay. then uh, my most interesting villain is actually Herman Gromek from Torn Curtain. Really? What? So here's the thing about Torn Curtain is that it's it's about a husband and wife. He goes behind the Iron Curtain and during the Cold War, and he's he's a spy. And Julie Andrews follows him. And but then there's this character Gromek, who is Hans kind Landa? of like uh, from he, yeah from Indiana Jones. No. Oh no. Inglorious. Oh no no. See, I'm thinking the guy from Indiana Jones okay. uh, the, with the glasses and the black hat and the black coat. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that was you know kind of an homage to this one. Because the way he talks to him, he's just like, is this a saying? Do you still say this here? And like, he's so very casual about it all. 
and then his death scene is horrific. Yeah, it's the best part of the movie. Because the movie itself is middling, but yeah. Gromek and then this lady that comes near the end who wants her sponsors are both the most interesting parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. And they stand out so much that I had to put him as my most interesting villain of my middle choices. That took way too long. All right. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> we'll, Jacob, we'll doesn't, hurry. Jacob doesn't appreciate Hitchcock as much yeah, as we Yeah, do. he's only seen yeah. like, what, 12? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Best acting. Are we Once saying again, movie best acting or This is best actor, acting actors? in a role. And so this can't be in our top five or bottom five. Oh, yeah, it's me. I actually chose Henry Fonda in The Wrong Man. Because it, it, just like the title sounds, he's a guy who's accused of something he didn't do. A much slower Hitchcock movie. Oh, very slow. Especially it's, for the time. I just it's, based watched, on a, it's based on a true story, too. Yes. That's actually one. I just watched a couple recently, and that was one of those. Hey, you're up to nine. Um, <laughs> but so Henry Slash your tires. But I, sp- <laughs> I spent the whole time like so stressed out for this guy because you could tell he was just trying to do what was right. And you just felt for this guy. But yeah. then again, there's also that question of but what if he did it? This yeah. is a Hitchcock movie. So Henry Fonda, I was compelled. Well, except by the title, the wrong man. You know, he didn't do it from the beginning, and they say yeah. it's a true story. Yeah, but you never know. No, you do know. You, you know, he didn't do it. Hey, you, you know, but you never know. Okay. Yeah, okay. you never know with Hitchcock. It's like it could be a twist at the end. My pick is Robert Walker as Bruno Antony from Strangers on a Train. That ah. is an excellent choice. Yes, that's a great. Pick. I mean, wait, 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 that didn't make your top five. I know. Oh, I, I am sad about it too. Okay. Wow. This is a great movie that I didn't watch it until three years ago. Jake had me watch this one. It is such a great movie and may show up again on this list somewhere. But this guy is so, oh man, so malicious. Well, he's so just like, he's like a child with a machine gun. Like, yes, he's like so happy and go lucky about what he's doing. Oh, he's just essentially if people don't know the story, uh, he meets a uh, tennis star we on a train. We to it later, Kent, okay? No, this is a great premise. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. We'll get to it we'll later. We'll get to it later, oh, okay, Jacob. Okay, okay. I see where you're going with that. Uh? Yeah. Okay, wait, is this wait. one of the ones when we were trying to convince you there were good old movies? And yes. We gave you a list and I yes, put that on it? Yes, this is one okay. of the first. Yeah. Okay. This is one of the two that Jacob You were trying saw. to convince me the old movies were good. Is, I think that's what it was, And this it? one won me over. This, yeah. this is one of the two that Jacob had seen of Hitchcock movies. Two now. I'm going to spill my drink accidentally all over your computer. You went from slashing his tennis to just spilling drinks? Yeah. I gotta start somewhere. I can't go outside yet. (laughs) Why did Hitchcock keep casting them? Let me give some repeated castings because there's a lot in Hitchcock movies. For example, Ingrid Bergman, three movies. Grace Kelly, three movies. Edmund Gwen, whoever that is, four movies. You know who he is? No. He's Santa Claus from uh, Miracle on 34th Street. He was oh, in that's so the best Hitchcock early. movie. That's in my top no, but five, he was actually. In, I, no, I saw, <laughs> what? No, because I, I recognized him as Santa Claus from the Miracle on 34th Street, and then he was in so many of his movies. Okay. How many did you say there were? Four, four actually. Yeah. Cary Grant, four. Jimmy Stewart, four. And number one. This Just is because your this is the pick. Claire Greet. And she was a nobody. Oh. I'm wondering if Hitchcock owed her a favor or if she had blackmail on Hitchcock. She was a fortune teller in the ring. She was... Um, all those silent movies when they'd make like 40 pictures in a week. She was right. uncredited in most of her movies, but she was in seven of his early silent movies. Hmm. She's just an Probably old woman. Probably because she was on the lot in his studio. No, like, she regular. had secrets about Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> the only logical conclusion. <laughs> uh, I chose Ingrid Bergman. Because in Spellbound, Notorious, and Under Capricorn, every single time, like in Under Capricorn, she's supposed to be like this Irish immigrant. In Spellbound, she's supposed to be this serious doctor. In Notorious, she was supposed to be a good actress, and it just none of them worked for me. Unbelievable. I know. I was. I can't believe you didn't like Notorious. Like even like the wine cellar scene. 
Okay. Oh, I, I should. I, I'm bashing on Notorious. Yeah. But I actually did like Notorious. The thing I is, with, like the relationship. Even the bat. Even the lesser Hitchcock movies. There's always like these gems. I agree. Yeah. You know. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's always yeah. something to pull out. Yeah. Next up is Miss Independent. Because uh, we wanted to give a couple roles. Like I said, there were so many good female protagonists. There were. And so I actually chose uh, Jane Wyman in Stage Fright. Oh, really? I really liked her character. So Stage Fright is the story. Once again, it's it's mistaken idea where this guy's framed for a murder. Is she and the older actress? No, no, no. That's, okay. that's um, oh, why can't I think of her name? Why can't I think she of her name? really famous in the day. Marlene Dietrich. Yes. Uh, but Jane Wyman, she was kind of the girl next door. And she tries to like go undercover. It doesn't quite work out. But then she was there solving the mystery the whole time. And the whole time I'm like, I really like this character. But apparently she didn't, she didn't get along with Hitchcock at all. Wow. Like they did not like each other. But she did a great job in Stage Fright 1950. I'm going with Doris Day. Really? Doris Day in The Man Who Knew Too Much remake. Yeah. 1954. And it, just a real quick uh, synopsis of the story. An American physician and his wife take matters in their own hands after assassins planning to execute a foreign prime minister kidnap their son. Joel, you're not going to sing at any time? Okay, Sarah, Sarah. It's kind of Whatever a cool scene at the end, be. right? It is. That's actually Here's a really the thing. good it's, it's actually a good like reflection because she sings this uh, uh, song to put her son to bed. And then in the end, the song comes back up. I don't really want to spoil it. But also, she... If we get in the 50s, we don't want to spoil the Exactly. Movies, but 20s. 20s uh, Jimmy 30s, Stewart in this yeah. movie is kind of bumbling off. Like, he's Jimmy Stewart, but yeah. she owns this she movie. Does. She does. She a does. Great job. It's she all is, about her. It yeah, is all yeah. about her. And yeah. I'm saying, maybe her this will kid. come up. I don't want to say too much, but in the orchestral scene, actually, it will come up. It is awesome and super intense. It's a very intense scene. Like yes. all, I mean, it's suspenseful. Yeah. Hitchcock's known for it. It is. By the way, I timed that one. Last one. I talked for 10 seconds. Kent talked for five hours. <laughs> Points to me. I guess he loves Hitchcock more, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Well, you'd say that because you've only seen a half of one of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up. He, he fell asleep during Jeez. June with the Paycock. <laughs> that's, that's the one you chose, Jake. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can resist. Did you know it also means peacock? Huh? Yeah. Learn that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. learned that when you were awake. Yeah. All right. Best overall camera work. So I couldn't include any of my favorites. Okay. And so this is a very honorable mention. And it's not even, there aren't even the coolest tricks here, but the for the fact that it wasn't a dumb movie because it should have been really hokey, I'm actually going with the birds. Okay. Because what he does is he takes really, maybe even bad special effects at the time, but it makes it a scary monster movie. No, the birds was made in 1963. And it still had better special effects than Birdemic, Shock and Terror, made in 2000, oh. whenever that came out. But here's what's great about the birds. I mean, obviously, there's the scene with the playground and the birds are just watching. Mm -hmm. But the attack scenes, they're riveting. I mean, they're scary. Well, and the, the way he did it, yeah, too, somehow. also just like doing the rear projection. with Yes. Like, he said it, he was blowing like compressed air into the actress's hair. And mm -hmm. They were throwing live birds yeah. at them at times. But so. what's great about this is this movie has no music in it. Right. And yeah. it's still scary. Like he manages to make you feel this emotion with no music. Yeah. Just by a few birds. And there's like this this whole scene where the like birds everyone sound horrific. Too. Everyone's in this store and they see this guy filling up at a gas station. Birds start attacking him and it cuts back to people watching and the horror. I'm gonna go eleven hours in this one, Joel. <laughs> oh, you're done. The birds okay. the birds yes, deserve its due, honestly. Yes. I chose rope. And I chose Rope because it's one of those movies that's one of those, how did they do that? Because the whole premise of Rope yeah. is these two guys kill a man and put him in the trunk and then they have friends over and one of the guys is like panicking because they're going to find out and the other guy's really thrilled because they're going to find out. Yeah. 
and uh, it's done in quote unquote one continuous shot. They really only could do ten minutes, like uh, of film. Because they do the fades to black. And I, th- then they, I thought they, it was a, I thought it was three shots. Well, yeah, okay. no, like, but it's that whole ten conti- minute it's, shots. It's continuous shot thing, but yeah, you're right, Jacob. There's a couple cuts in there that are obvious, but there's others mm-hmm. that aren't. But just you could only do ten minutes at the time. Yeah, the mm-hmm. film camera would only hold ten minutes, and then they had to move it. But Rope is actually a very good film. I'm I'm kind of sad it didn't make my top five. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say actually. This, this means it's not your top five. Mm-hmm. Then. I love I, it's it's creepy. Gosh, that movie's creepy. It's really creepy. Yeah, I, I won't say more in case it shows up again later. But that's a good one. But I want to. All right, uh, the coolest shot. Uh, Kent kind of took mine, uh, but for different reasons. I chose the shot of the glass of milk in Suspicion. Okay. Because it opens up. You have, you're have you looking down to this foyer from the top of the stairs, and the door opens up, and there's this long shadow that casts across the floor. And then you see Cary Grant coming up the stairs with the glowing milk, as we talked, and that just tracks him coming up. And that shot, once again, this is coolest shot in my honorable mentions. That was one of the few that really stuck out to me. Is like, that's impressive. Mine is from Strangers on a Train. It is the murder in the eyeglasses. Oh my gosh, that's creepy. Yes. This is the second time you brought up murder. Yeah. In train. So he is also the best acting. Robert Walker, when he actually kills this woman, her glasses fall off and you see the whole murder take place in this rear view of the glasses. I seriously which, thought about that do. for like a month after I yes. saw that. I was well, disturbed. It's, it's, this, it's a very disturbing scene because it's like almost beautiful. Yes. But you're seeing something horrific. Ugh. And they actually filmed it by going to the studio and like filming on a concave mirror and then putting that film on top of the That's glasses. That's brilliant. Like the way he did it was so cool. Oh man, so good. And even the intro of that movie, sorry, I'm gonna talk really quick again. They only show the knees of the characters and they show these two people living their lives sitting on the train and all of a sudden they bump into each other and that's where the movie begins. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. It really is. But it didn't make your top five. I know it's weird. There's a lot of competition. There is. All right, most suspenseful buildup. Uh, I wonder if we're gonna... Well, have the this, same answer. This is of our well, probably because this is our middles that we couldn't pick. Yes, other Spencer movies. Did you pick a nineteen thirty six movie? Yes, I did. Sabotage up top. We're gonna agree. Yay! <laughs> wow, it happened. It's about time. It so is. sabotage. Uh, Gregory Peck's the best. Am I right? The plot yes. summary of this is essentially there's spies <laughs> among us and like these sleeper cells, and there's a part where they give the the guy who's the stepfather to this. Oh no, you know he's he's the uncle. Yes. So he gets his brother in law. And he gives him a package. It's a little boy. That's what you got to know. Is he gives him a package and it has a bomb in it. And the boy has to cross all the way across London to Piccadilly Circus to get the, to deliver the package, this bomb, because they're going to commit this act of terrorism. And it's supposed to go off at 1.45 p.m. And you watch the clock tick away as the boy's getting there. And he gets and distracted he by a, a street vendor. He gets stopped by a parade. And you're watching it the whole time. Oh, man. And it is so special. And he gets on the oh, bus. With a dog. And there's a little puppy. He's playing with a puppy. Two rules he's about to break. in between them. <laughs> And then I'm going to spoil it. Hits. It blows up. Oh, and it is. It's a bit much, honestly. It, it is. And actually, people got so mad at Hitchcock, and he has said he regrets it because he not because he killed a boy and a puppy because he's probably fine with that in movies, <laughs> um, but he said that he ruined the suspense. He says suspense is all about a release, and I didn't give you a release. He, he actually said if I were to make that movie again, the bomb would never go off, or at least they'd get away. Right. And I agree because I was so suspenseful. Like I was so tense the whole time it was happening. And then when the bomb went off, I was like, wait, no, this isn't right. And it wasn't that release. You didn't quite get that. Mm. Yeah, it's grim. That is dark. Isn't there something like gained out of the dark side with that too? That it's like you don't get the release and that's some sort a of A little benefit? bit. But, yeah. but I think I agree with Hitchcock that it wasn't as like there's a satisfaction like when you get on a roller coaster that, you know. At the end, you're like, oh, that was fun. And this didn't give you like, that. Yeah, like, he oh. wanted dark innings, but to kill a, a kid and a puppy, that's a bit much. It is. And everyone else in the bus, too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a double decker. 
This is the last of the middle awards. Middle awards. Are you ready? Yes. Which title is most overrated? To Catch a Thief, 1955. <sighs> when a reformed jewel thief I'm is suspected of returning yeah, to his former occupation, really. he must ferret out the real thief in order to prove his innocence. This is all about scenery. This movie is, it is beautiful for its time, yeah. but there's not much else. It's beautiful because it's Cary Grant and Grace Kelly as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter what but happens. But the end is boring. I mean, there's just... The movie's kind of boring. They try to be witty the whole time, and it's about... It's about a, a thief who's trying to clear his name. Yes. Because there's they they say it's him, but and, it's not. and I was really stoked to watch this one, and then I did. I was like, really? That's that's it? Did I watch the wrong movie? It's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. But oh my gosh, it's fun to watch those two. Ah, I'm just not a fan of that one. So I'm okay with that, Kent. You're not gonna be okay with mine. I said Vertigo. What? The heck? 1958 Vertigo is overrated. Most overrated? I'm overrated? Yeah. Of the yeah yeah. Joel, I don't know about your Hitchcock opinions. So, well, you know, Jacob, because you haven't seen any Hitchcock movies, but when's the last time you watched this movie? Oh, it's been a couple years, but I, I've seen it. Multiple I watched times. it two nights ago and oh my word, the chills I had at this at the end of this movie. But here's the thing, Kent. This movie has been named by multiple organizations as the greatest film ever made. Not the greatest Hitchcock film, the greatest film ever ever made so, and i don't agree with that so you're but you're being like one of these people that's like citizen kane is not that good because it's it good but i still don't think it's the greatest movie ever made yeah but like who's to say any movie that it makes number one will get hated on by you because vertigo is a very good movie no i don't I'm, that's things i'm not saying it's a bad movie i'm not it feels like you are but it didn't make it's my not, top five I was and say, I went, it's not in your top five it's not then. my top five and wow. i've never really like every, the first time i saw vertigo i was like oh i didn't really like that and the second time i watched okay i appreciate it and i can appreciate it and i actually enjoy it but not as much as everyone says it's, and it's not, i don't think it's hitchcock's best work and i definitely don't think it's the greatest film of all time uh by the way you're uh, right citizen kane and then <laughs> vertigo <laughs> I think you're forgetting from Justin to Kelly, but so <laughs> Later the, the summary of Vertigo is a former police detective juggles wrestling with his personal demons and becoming obsessed with a hauntingly beautiful woman. And I admit there are some great moments in this movie and I admit it's a good movie, but greatest movie of all time over. Well, I mean, how many people are really saying that? Like, uh, that would be uh, sight and sound. AFI. According to the British Film Institute, it's AFI's AFI. number one. Uh, who else? Sight and sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just ranked behind British. Uh, it ranked behind Citizen Kane till just recently. And then now it's Vertigo. So, a lot of people are bumping it up now as the best movie ever. I'm sorry. This is one of his most personal, tightly written movies as well. And the ending, my gosh. Oh, it's good. And then it just it's great ends just yes, then. On the uh, clock tower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. We'll get there. <gasps> we'll get there. So there we go. That didn't make my top five. It got bumped it's off. Horrifying. Ready to do top five? Top five time. All right. Let's do this. I'll go first. One of the movies I actually watched during this binge stuck out to me. Is actually Marnie. You were just teasing before. No, I hate that movie. Plot twist. <laughs> I actually <laughs> chose been a good joke. 1953, I Confess. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I Confess. I'll read the plot synopsis because we're back to that now. A priest who comes under suspicion for murder cannot clear his name without breaking the seal of a confessional. So uh, basically someone confesses to murder and he can't say anything about it because he's bound by his faith. And I was suddenly so enthralled because not only was this a murder mystery, this was a theological crisis as well. And you watch him try to not implicate himself, but also not give away the, that person that confessed to him. And then the person that confessed to him, you see it right at the beginning. It's, it's this gardener that works there, Otto. 
And Otto is such a conniving jerk. Yeah. Like he just keeps needling the priest. Like, you can't say anything because yeah. God said you can't say anything. I am free. It was yeah. a little, little, little heavy on that. Well, no, it, no, I loved, I loved the villain. And then it goes to the point where he even goes to trial and he doesn't want to implicate himself, but he doesn't want to give it away. And, and a lot of people didn't like it. So they're like, well, he should just tell. And I'm like, but I like that they set up the rule that he can't tell. You know what is definitely better than though? Hmm. Vertigo. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, no. I'm glad no. you agreed, Jacob. <laughs> no. Although I will say Montgomery Clift in this movie, like, I was like, stand up. I'm like, why hasn't this guy been in more Hitchcock movies? No, yeah, because exactly. He, because he was a drunk. Yeah. Oh, was, was that it? A, he was a drunk method actor who was really hard to work with, apparently. Oh, but he, he was, was so good. He, like, had the perfect look, like, almost near Gregory Peck, honestly. Oh, no. He's much better than that block of wood. <laughs> no one's that good looking, kid. <laughs> My number five is Rope. Oh, yeah. I watched Rope when I was in uh, film class, and I was obsessed with long takes. And at the time, I'm like, this whole movie is... descriptions. Yeah, this... (laughs) He's just kneeling kneeling us both this whole episode. (laughs) But no, I... And I was... I mean, I am captivated by this movie. It play, it's a kind of a play on screen. It's very well done. And when I love it when is. Jimmy Stewart oh, realizes yeah, just what's starts going on. discovering the clues. And here's the thing. Oh, my part. gosh. Yeah. So good. There's this dead body in the trunk, and they are, like, putting drinks. I think you mentioned this. They're putting drinks They're on the trunk. They're setting a table on top of the trunk. Because it's all about, and, like, superiority, and, right? Yes. Like, it's this, been a few years since I've seen it. But this dead guy's friends are at the party. They invited these people. They invited and their parents, right? Yes. And they're talking about why he's not there. Yeah, it's so Ugh. it's so diabolical and just one it of those is. movies that I really enjoy watching. Yeah, when you see it unfold, you're like, oh, I just feel nervous. It gives you like this yeah. gut feeling the entire time. It hurts. Yeah. In fact, yes. that's one of the reasons I haven't rewatched it is because I know it hurts. Like just watching it, like you feel. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're Absolutely. like beat up by the end. All right, Kent, you're number four. Number four. Good choice. Rear window. Excellent choice. A wheelchair-bound photographer spies on his neighbors from his apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder. This one is actually, uh, it, it has a better remake, I would say, with Suspiria, starring Shia LaBeouf. Disturbia? Disturbia? That's the <laughs> <Suspiria>? one. Suspiria? <laughs> That's another no. movie coming out, Derry Argento. No, and uh, Simpsons, I think, did a parody yes. of this. They've done a couple different uh, TV shows have done parodies. But this. this is like almost this great bottle episode. Because yes, it's all in it's all in one location. That studio was built. The entire apartment complex and Grace Kelly is built and Grace Kelly. in a studio. Like they Grace had it all Kelly. working. Yeah, Grace Kelly's amazing. Raymond that. Burr. There's some great yeah. shots of Grace Kelly in this one as well. Excuse oh, yeah. me. The great shots. Okay. Camera shots. Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. But no, this <laughs> one. Like, Family friendly. <laughs> like even when Grace <laughs> Kelly is in the other apartment and she is like look, you know, like rifling through things and Raymond Burr comes home. Oh, man. And then you see Jimmy Stewart like whispering yeah. like, no, 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 yes. no, no. Don't do it. That please. part gets me heart palpitations. He doesn't want to be seen mm-hmm. because he's stuck in his chair and he just has to whisper, please don't die. And he has to call the cops really quietly. It is it's intense. so good. That is yeah. such a good movie. Yes. Yeah, What's right your number four? My number four is actually Strangers on a Train. Okay. Because the whole concept of these two guys meeting each other, I, I, I guess the reason this one scared me more is I could totally see this happening to me because I tend to humor what? people. I tend to humor people. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Which is what the tennis pro does. And because yeah, the tennis pro is approached by this other guy who's like, hey, you hate your wife. I hate my dad. We're complete strangers. So if we kill them, no one's going to suspect us. And yeah, he's, he's like, like Haha, you, yeah, whatever. Huh. He's not thinking he's serious. And then the guy takes him seriously and goes ahead and kills his wife. And I'm like, that could happen to me. I could be that. I'm never riding trains again. <laughs> not that I ride a lot of trains. 
But I feel like, and also because I agree, Kent, Robert Walker is charming and terrifying. When they're during the tennis scene and everyone's looking from left to right and (laughs) he's just staring. (laughs) My note, my note here made, my my note here says, this movie's so good. It makes a tennis match interesting. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. It's probably the best, best Hitchcock villain. Yeah. And, and, and the ending with the carousel is a little cheesy, but it's also very intense because that's when they speed up like the film and it's going like a million miles an hour. But it was a real carousel going above the worker's head. They actually hired a carousel worker to crawl under there. And the Hitchcock said, if he would have lifted his head a few inches, it would have gone from a suspense movie to a horror movie. Oh, awesome. He put that dude in danger. He did. Uh, My number three is dial M for murder. Oh, good choice. Wow. We haven't brought that one up yet. That's a pretty no. high rank. Uh, I, I really like Dylan for Murder. And once again, maybe maybe this is a theme for me. It's the villain. Right. Uh, Ray, Ray Milland. Is that his name? Yeah, Ray, Ray Milland, who's in this movie. Uh, he plays such... He plays the best liar I've ever seen on film. The guy is so quick on his feet. Uh, okay, so this movie, I should say... Well, oh, tennis player again. A tennis player frames his unfaithful wife for her first-degree murder after she inadvertently hinders his, his plan to kill her. So he tries to kill his wife. It goes awry. Her mm-hmm. murder gets killed. And then he tries to frame her for the murder. And every time he's almost cut, caught up in the lie, he just works his way out of it the whole time. And he's so smooth. It is a good one. And the whole time I'm watching this, and it's Grace Kelly, once again, who's just gorgeous. And uh, she's so well, she's so good in this movie because she's like hurt that her husband, she, she goes along with her husband. Then when she realizes what he's doing, she's so hurt and you just feel for her. But this is also, they did this one in 3D. It yeah. did not do well in 3D. So right. they put it back to 2D. But dial in for murder, man. Like, for example, when she is getting attacked and getting strangled, she reaches her hand out. It's very famous. That was meant, to, yeah, that was meant yeah. to come out of the audience. And a key going through a keyhole. Like, mm-hmm. they were doing these little effects. But really, it didn't need all the effects because this is one of the greatest stories. It's it's complicated. Like, it's kind of hard to explain right. with all the you know intersecting storylines happening. But, but very it, well done. I mean, it's easy to follow when you're watching. Oh, yeah. During the yeah. moment, it's fine. But, like, yeah. as I was trying to think, how can I, much can I, can I explain? I'm like, keep it simple, Joel. Yeah. My number three is Hitchcock's best filmed film this is the best camera what? work overall best film oh film. best yes. film best cinematography best uh overall but yes best work. cinematography for like sure even better than your number one yes it's vertigo vertigo is my number three there is so there is so much care yeah. that goes into this and it even has a weird animated nightmare that jimmy yeah. stewart has yeah and it's it's chilling because it actually this is jimmy stewart's best acting in any hitchcock movie because he's this yeah that's true this How bumbling detective this I, I actually don't want to spoil too much. Okay, because I was going to say it's a very interesting character arc. It is. Beca- very but then when he yeah. gets obsessive, you hate him. and But it, there yeah. are reasons as well. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you see it unfold. And when it finally unfolds, you're like, well, it's Jimmy Stewart. You love him. And then he becomes weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> and, and also, uh, some of the coolest camera tricks, the dolly zoom, which has been overused in so many movies at this point, yes. really displays a fear of heights. Which the dolly zoom is when you're zooming in and panning out. And it kind of gives that weird kind of elongation yeah. of the screen and it's the vertigo and, effect and even in the first scene when that cop falls off the ledge and it's basically jimmy stewart's fault you're like yeah. wow this movie is not kidding around no no they, they bring the tension immediately and, and yeah. even and i will say best filmed because like the way this is choreographed with the he's having a meeting with the uh detective in the chair like uh, his superior officer mm-hmm. and it's this power play whenever one sits one stands and it's so clever it's very well shot yes it's, it's a good movie number two is the most fun i've ever had watching a hitchcock movie it's north by northwest hey see that's a good one so this is basically fun is the right word it is so much fun well, it ends on the nose of mount rushmore yeah which yeah. is awesome it's just so ridiculous it is but like, it's, <laughs> it's wrong place wrong time it's this really strange plot where the government tries to create this 
this fake spy. One man is blamed for being this fake fake spy, and the bad guys don't know so you're any saying better. A man is wrongfully accused. Yes, finds a woman who doesn't trust him. Then she trusts him, yeah. and they both try to exactly solve his case. But it's, it's old Cary Grant who almost seems to not really care anymore. So he just. He just does anything he can in this movie just to have fun. And the crop duster scene, which we haven't brought up, is so iconic. It is. It's It's one of the most iconic scenes in film where he's standing in this big empty field waiting for someone to come up. And all of a sudden he hears a plane and he realizes as it gets closer, it's coming for him. And it's just fun. Like the cast of characters here, like his mother is very involved in the story and tries to help him solve this crime. The bad guys are all great. Martin Landau is one of the villains is phenomenal. Yes. This movie is almost near perfection for a spy movie for me. It's very well done. Yeah. But not my number two, because it didn't make my number my top five. Was, was that two, Kent? Oh, number two. Okay. Yeah. My number two is actually Rear Window. We've already talked about it. But Grace Kelly, Jimmy Stewart, I named him as my best actor and best actress for a reason. Best yeah. lady man, this lead lady. Because this movie, it preys on so many fears and it does it so well. And like Ken said, in a confined space. Yes. And that moment when she's in the other guy's apartment and he comes home Every time I watch that, I start panicking. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, get out of the house, get out of the house. Because I, I don't know if I told you guys this before, but like when we go uh, ghost hunts, for example, don't right. really count. But when you go into an abandoned building, I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm scared of getting caught or stabbed by a homeless person. Oh, so, sure. <laughs> so it, but the fear of just getting, in life, the fear of getting caught and getting in trouble is a big fear of mine. And so whenever I watch that movie, I'm just floored by it. And I love that scene when Grace Kelly manages to get the ring and she's signaling to him behind her back. Mm-hmm. And James Stewart is watching through the binoculars. Yeah. And then he pans over and Raymond Burr, the bad guy, just looks up and looks at him directly at him. He's every caught. time I get chills. I just got chills just now talking yeah. about it. <laughs> it's so good. So what's happened? Also, uh, by the way, they made a 1998 remake. With with Christopher Reeve, who was actually paralyzed for oh, Rear Window. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it. Don't know what to say about that. But Kent, we're going to agree, and everyone's already going to know what we're talking about. So it seems like a cop-out at this point. It doesn't see, It seems but like a cop-out. what else can you do? But at the same time, we haven't brought up this movie. Have, you, re- have you re-watched it I watch this, this one yes. fairly regularly. Okay. Like this one, I actually own and watch you fairly watch regularly. You watch regularly? I actually I watch this really one this maybe, a problem. honestly, maybe every three years. Jacob, you have to realize, to me, this is kind of a perfect movie like as as i've watched it each time i'm like not a shot is wasted can't should we say what it is gus van sant's (laughs) no no it's (laughs) (laughs) shot for shot remake no 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 i'm sorry that is blasphemy this movie is the skin game you would (laughs) you would which isn't as scandalous as it sounds it's actually i was gonna go minx man oh minx man would have been a weird one too that was a weird title it was no we're talking about psycho Psycho. it's there's a reason we're giving this the blu-ray away of this yeah so this movie 1960 this is the movie that i would say really catapulted i mean he had made decades worth of movies now if you haven't seen it it's about a phoenix secretary who embezzles forty thousand dollars from her employer's client goes on the run checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother you could almost say this that i like that synopsis right this is is two tonally different movies which should be a train wreck but that's the best part about it and okay let's just spoil this movie are you sure yes because some people have not seen mother because uh, I think they should see it. And so if you haven't seen Psycho, just turn off the episode here or skip to the end. But we're going to spoil it because the whole point of the movie is that you're you're getting used to this character. Spoiler alert. Marion Crane the whole time. Yep. Like Played she's like Jenna Lee. And then about half hour into the movie, she gets killed. No, it's two thirds of the way through the movie. No, no. One third. It's one third, 30 third. I remember it being like... He like says seriously, no, first, it's, it's first third. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I believe it's in within 30 minutes. I can look it up, but, but I remember. But like you feel for this character. There's a cop like kind of following her and you're like, 
do I want her to get away? Like she just stole a ton of money. Well, it's shocking. It's like our protagonist is dead. And the best part is like, what do we when do? When the protagonist dies, the only other person you have to relate to is Norman Bates. Yes. And which yes, I will which is say is easy enough. His acting is so good in this movie. It's he incredible. is the best, best Hitchcock actor hands down. Okay. You wonder why it's so good is because when he's hiding the body, he's putting, he's putting Marion's body in the trunk after mother kills her in the shower. Yes. And as he's putting her in there, a car comes by and you're worried that he's going to get caught. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why am I worrying about this guy? Yeah. But, uh, and, and it, this is actually one of those movies where the studios wouldn't touch it. It's based on a book by Robert Block. And it's actually, the book is fairly more graphic. Uh, and studios did not want to touch it. So Hitchcock actually financed this film himself. Did he really? He, he, he said, I, like, no one's going to take it. He's like, fine. What if I finance it myself? And then you don't have to do the, like, you only have to do the distribution. And they said, okay, deal. And then he also didn't take any money up front. He only said he would take money on the back end. This was his most profitable film. Easily. So this movie actually changed movies altogether. Like it changed the way we view cinema because before 1960, people would show up, let's say at 530 for a movie and they'd get the second half of the movie and then they would stay for the first half after when it replayed. This was a movie they would not let you go in at any point unless it was the very beginning. It yeah. literally changed the landscape of movies. Because and yeah, and it was also a marketing ploy too. Yes. Because when he, he said, well, they he had would, warnings with this one, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Distribute warnings. And yeah. he said, we have we have guards that will not let people in, and this is very disturbing. And they had to kind of you know, they they basically just built it up as word very of mouth clever. because yeah. they weren't getting any money for marketing, and it worked. People were lined up out the door, try to see this movie. So. It's amazing. And okay, let's just talk about the shower scene. Yes. Which I just looked is about 47 minutes. <laughs> it's always want to talk about a shower scene. <laughs> no, but the shower scene, I feel like if this it actually movie... has its own movie based off of the shower scene. Oh, it's like uh, Hitchcock. No, there's like a, a documentary that came out uh, two years ago called like 758 52, but it's about the frames of the movie and different directors are just breaking this one scene down. Okay. So I have kind of stats here yeah. on the, the shower scene. There were 77 That's different it. camera angles used during the shower scene. And the finished scene runs three minutes and includes 50 cuts. Yeah, so it's 77.50. Not cuts, but yeah. cuts of film. But here's the thing. You never actually see any blood on Marion's body. Mm-hmm. You never see nudity. And you never see the knife touch her body. You just see the knife moving down. You see it getting close to her. And that's it. And it, that's why it works so well. Because the horror is happening in your mind. But it really is. I mean. It's horrific. And then you get, it is. And then you get the, sh- the, the psycho. Uh, the shower music that that everyone mocks so iconic which Hitchcock didn't want music initially and then he he was like no I don't want any music in this scene I just want it to be horrific and then Bernard Herrmann brought in the score and he went that makes it better inspired oh so well done but I feel like if this movie were done today they'd be using special effects to see the knife like cutting her up or in the book she actually gets beheaded Oh, geez. Yeah. And so I think they would show that. There's there's something to the black and white aspect of this movie because he could could have made it in color easily. He was. He made a couple of color features by this point. But this in black and white, especially during that shower scene, when you see the silhouette, basically the shadow of mother there. Yeah. It just works for the time. It is the perfectly framed movie in every way. Yes, it's so well done. And I, I, I love and I hate that people say this is the grandfather of the slasher genre. Because it was. This kind of brought that up as kind of this, you know... Well, it is kind of based off uh, Ed Gein oh, yeah. as well, which, you know, that's a lot of slashers were also based off of that as well. But the I just don't like when people... I, I like what people call it that because they give it the respect it deserves, but I don't want them to call it because it feels like it dumbs it down because this isn't a slasher movie. This is a smart psychological thriller. 
and it's absolute suspense the entire time. It's basically the first time a real master has taken on such a horrific genre. And he did it. That's the thing is he did it so well. That's why I get bugged by slasher genre because it's like, how can we creatively kill people? Yeah. Is this why you're bugged by later movies like Marnie? Because you wanted to see another psycho type movie? Maybe. I just feel like this one was, to me, this is Hitchcock's peak. This is when he peaked. He was building up to it. Like, I like his 50s movies were ramping up. Yeah. He peaked in 60, and then he kind of started trickling down after that. And, but it never quite gets as low as, like, except because you, know, you like family, family plot. <laughs> I, did, yeah. I didn't, but even that's not as great as his other ones. That was yeah. one that I was very pleasantly surprised by. But this one just became, and like I said, this was very controversial for its time. And some people said that this kind of pushed the envelope and allowed people to do more after this, which, you know, obviously I'm not too happy about. Is but, this movie considered rated R? It is, yeah. which frustrates me to know because there was yeah. no rating system in 1960. Right. It came out as NR, which is uh, not rated, or UR, I can't remember which one, but it didn't have a rating. And then when they kind of started adding ratings on, retroactively adding ratings, they gave this one an R. And I'm like, at best, this is a PG-13. Whereas there's a lot of 80s movies I've seen that are PG that should not be <laughs> PG, but I appreciated it. Yeah. I mean, it's just the content, right? The psychological content. You know, the other thing too, I've had a lot of conversations with people. This has happened to me a handful of times where have you seen Psycho? And they think it's, they think it's Freddy Krueger. They think it's something, they think it's just this weird sort of like horror, like teenager Mm. thing. And I'm like, no, 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 this is, this is art, but about something creepy. So I got to show this one to my sister-in-law who was for the first time, for the first time. She'd never heard of it. She was 10. And she, I think she was actually probably 17 by this point. I was 10 when I saw this, I believe. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. But I got to show it to her and I got to watch her just her face when the shower scene happened and then she's like but wait wait like she was so confused but who did that? what about yeah. norman that the protagonist was no longer there and i was like yes this is my purpose in life <laughs> to shock people with movies it, it's really too bad because anthony perkins was a great actor and this movie typecast him for the rest of his career yeah, it did well and did you see any of this any of the sequels can't i saw number two, two which is actually pretty good it good yeah but definitely not as the heights and then there's three and four i think yeah there's there's four and then did you watch bates motel yeah i've seen the whole thing what do you think of bates motel as a comparison to psycho oh i mean there's no comparison yeah the tv show yeah but i've I've seen like it's actually episodes it's It's first season it's a tier two show actually freddie highmore as norman bates is great and um vera miles vera Vera Vera, formiga sorry vera miles is in the original vera formiga as mother is yeah. great. But is the backstory necessary? There's so much filler. I can't even describe it to okay. you. Yes. It's ridiculous amounts of filler. So there we go. I, I don't think there's much more to say because we've gone on very long. I'm trying to think. I remember I saw an interview uh, where Hitchcock, what's his name? Freddie? Um, Freddie Highmore from... No, not Freddie Highmore. The Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Thank oh. you. Yeah, where he was interviewing him and he was asking about his relationship with his mother. And so he told mm-hmm. Hitchcock about a really terrible relationship he had. And that was like the thing that pushed it over for Hitchcock. Well, He's like, yeah, yeah, you're the guy I need. Well, and also right. in the book, Norman Bates is a middle-aged, overweight, and kind of more overtly unstable uh, but in the movie, they found this like boy next door who you yeah, just so feel clever. sorry for because mm-hmm. his mom is just so domineering of him. And then that ending, Kent. Oh, man. Oh, I love that ending so much. With the smile? Yes. It oh, man. So perfect. It's so It well actually done. took me years to actually see that because I saw it when I was younger. And then I was finally like maybe 16. And I saw that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Did they just add that in? Yeah. Like, that's incredible. So, yeah. And actually, double exposure happy. He does that a lot. That was one of the cool camera tricks yes. he did in Wrong Man as well. Yeah. Oh, man, it works to great effect here. It's so well done. And also, I, oh, I didn't bring this up. I was going to bring it up. This was actually a very controversial for its time because of the uh, blood and, and all that and the murder, but also because it showed a flushing toilet, 
which up to that point <laughs> had not been shown in film. It's not a good rest, rest room etiquette. Like they, they, they talk about how they, <laughs> didn't, they, 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 didn't, they didn't even show toilets. We can't let alone see water toilets. spinning down a porcelain tube. Well, and it was like pieces of paper in clear water. Like it's a very clean toilet. This isn't like train spotting. And uh, they get to the, they, they got so freaked out. And Hitchcock has said that he actually put that scene in there to kind of get the focal point there. So they would allow other things. I mean, look, we could talk about this so much. Like the fact that the money, which was the, the focal point of the movie. Doesn't matter. Thrown away. Yeah. MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just the fact that the censors kept coming back to him and they'd say, you need to cut some stuff. And he'd take the film and just hold on to it. Not do anything. Give it back to him. Be like there. And they'd be like, thank you. <laughs> He did That's that. Brilliant. Like, I think he did that two or three times, and they were just like, "Okay." But I don't know. Psycho. If you have not seen 1960 Psycho, go ahead and see it. In fact, I'd recommend any of the the ten yes. movies we recommended for best, or even any of the middle awards that you sounded interested in. Go yeah. check them out. Because well, there's some repeats in there, so you've probably got what seven yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah. And but remember, go watch these. That it, legitimately, these are I'd say 70 percent good films. Yes. I would, if someone, if I went to a party and someone's watching any Hitchcock movie, I would sit down to watch it, even if it was one of the really bad ones, just because I'd want to be like, oh, now I remember this one that didn't get lost in the shuffle with the other movies. Well, even his first one, uh, Pleasure Garden, yes. it's about a young girl who comes to the city and then she kind of loses her way. And there's a whole uh, murder scene, actually, and even a ghost. Yeah. And I was watching that going, okay, even back then, Hitchcock knew what he yes. wanted to be. So. But definitely, if you want to go really early, go with The Lodger. Yeah, that's probably the best early one. So there you go. That's our that's our show. Thank you for starting Woo. Halloween season with our little uh, uh, bridgeway here with Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me at 786 Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with Quickwits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to QW Comedy or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. We really hope you've enjoyed this educational episode of Bacon Sale, <laughs> which is definitely what this is. And uh, it needed to be long because, it, look, we put it, so much time into we this. Put a, oh, no, that's what hours I was just going to say. That's what I was going to say. These guys really deserve a hand because that was a lot of time. That was a lot of preparation yeah. just for the show. So enjoy. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Jacob, at Jacob A. Rogers, and go find Bacon Sale on Twitter at Bacon Sale. Okay. Uh, Joel, you're on outro. Joel? Ken and Jacob expect me to do an outro. But I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet, just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. We'll let them. Let them see what kind of person I am. I'm not even going to swap that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, Why, Why Joel wouldn't even harm a fly? fly. As soon as I saw you, like, grab your face to, like, smush it, I knew what was going to happen. I can get closer and I can go all the way around, which I like. Nope. Well, we peaked a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Uh, What it's like uh, 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 having a roni. What it's like having a roni. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. Where's my boiled ham? That passenger should not be allowed to drive a train. During the Irish Civil War, he ends up being a escort at yep. a dance hall for old women. So things turned out well. You gotta protect people from the truth, Joel. You do. Have movies Sometimes. taught you nothing? 
Daddy has a few tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> if we start going out of control, I'm going to start climbing all over you. Can't you win that round? There's <laughs> no scores. <laughs> There's scores. I just made a score. A block of wood, Gregory Peck <laughs> strikes again. Um, he's a handsome block of wood. What's in the milk? Yeah, but you never know. No, you do know. You, you know. You do it. Hey, you, you know, but you never know. I am sad about it too, okay? Wow. I'm going <laughs> to spill my drink accidentally all over your oh, computer. You went from slashing his tires to just spilling drinks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a really I got to start somewhere. Scale. I can't go outside yet. And then there's plenty to pull up. What? No. I'm scared of getting caught or stabbed by a homeless person. Okay, Jake, I'm going to start this. All right. Um, Joel's going to go next, and okay. you're going to go third. Okay. All right. Doe, a deer, a female deer. Ray, a drop of golden sun. I don't know it. You do too. No, I really don't. Like, I, I, I've heard that part Have before. you no what? soul. What is going on? Me. Do you know where it's from? No. A name. What? Oh, my gosh. Our musical show is going to be a mess. Oh. <sighs> I mean, it sounds familiar. I call I, myself far a long way to run. Yeah, this so a needle pulling thread. La, a note to follow. So no, now you've lost me. Tea, a drink of jam and bread that, that will bring, bring us back, back to dope, 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 dope. It's very <laughs> British, though. Whatever it is. <laughs>